of the All Music Is Good podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from The weekend, Common, Budos Band and Gordy. But before we get into the episode, let me say hello to a man who's without a doubt, at least in the 50th percentile of rankings of all musicians in the Brunswick area practicing sub-regional Cuban style boxing technique. He's the resident Cubano and more recently Americano of this podcast. Can I say <laughs> welcome back to Senor Bloom. Arik, welcome. Hello Waza. How are you? How's your week been? Uh, probably exactly the same as yours. I mean, who knows when we're going to bring this podcast out. Hopefully in a couple of days, but we've just found out this morning we've found out that he's taken Pennsylvania and maybe Georgia and maybe there's a clear path to sanity. It has been a, I mean, this really does feel like for me, uh, a real kind of, um, intersecting end point of the last nine months. I, I, uh, I have not had a night this year where I haven't used the, hum of cnn and msnbc news broadcasters as my lullaby to sleep it has been something that i don't know i don't know if obsessive is the right word there, there must be something that's just one fraction over obsessive but this is uh this is a crazy week and you know um and it is pretty hard to get out of that that space but it, but it also has been pretty nice to take a pause and actually listen to some music and just get rid of that sound <laughs> just for, you know, four or five hours. Um, but was I've been really good. Um, aside from, uh, of course, the, uh, the US election, um, for those who don't know, Melbourne is kind of reopened. I, uh, I managed a, a little trip down to um, Half Moon Bay on, uh, on Tuesday and it felt like I was on a beach in Europe. It was... <laughs> yeah, and, that and, was and madness. That, it was absolute madness. It was. I bet uh, the sunburn was worse than a beach in Europe. The sunburn was pretty deep, but it was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was pretty amazing. Lots of people, kind of, really gently competing for sand space. Uh, there was literally every kind of a beachgoer down there. There was barbecue, like you know, portable barbecues, joints, kids with primers. It was just off its head and uh my kind of vibe and it was just a real nice way to sort of you know see humanity kind of ang- like also anxiety inducing but uh mm. pretty pretty awesome do you have did have you done anything to kind of mark the end of this uh deep lockdown well i caught up with some people on friday night and then i caught up with some people on saturday night and then I had a barbecue on Sunday and then Monday night, someone else came over and I literally fell asleep at about seven o'clock. There's way too much socialising going on for, my, for me. I, like, I couldn't handle it. Um, and if we're talking about obsession, like I, I worked out the ABC News in America actually goes into repeat mode at 3am, between 3am wow. and 5am. Um, so that's when I switch over from ABC to MSNBC. <laughs> So look, I'm with you on that one. It's just been uh, 
a bizarre weekend, a bizarre end. Well, hopefully, end to um, uh, a strange year. And uh, look, hopefully, this end of lockdown in Melbourne, which has been difficult. I think you know we've all battled our own demons over the last few months and that last two weeks leading up to it was just a nightmare but mm. uh look hopefully we're on the way to to a summer of love a summer of music a summer of good times hopefully a summer of music but probably not but you know at least talking to people and maybe even not wearing a mask at some stage that would be nice as well that would be nice are you starting to kind of channel some anti-mask kind of vibe was is this where this is all going uh look I'm not going to join any <laughs> Facebook groups on ban the mask or anything like that. But look, you know, hopefully there's a there's a pathway. Which hopefully we, there I is might a use pathway. That term a lot tonight. There's a clear pathway to whereby <laughs> we cannot use masks. Or if, if, or at very least, we can just wear Batman masks, mm. which would be a nice little kind of gear change. Maybe an Adam West, an Adam West style Batman. Mask, Adam, not, um, well, no, there there is no other really. No, I mean, well, maybe even a Robin eye mask. A no, no nose or mouth guard, you know? <laughs> I'm into it. I mean, a mask mandate is a mask mandate. That's right. doesn't say whether it has to be over your nose or mouth. Anyway. So, um, was, uh, speaking of pathways, yeah. I'd, yes. I, I, I'd like to kind of open up a pathway for you to uh, introduce our guest for today's show. Well, well, thanks for the notice on the introduction, Eric, because uh, we hadn't actually chatted to each other about that. But I will do the honours. Um, look, some would say that he's backed by popular demand, and by popular demand, I mean you, Eric, because you know you just said we've got to get him back. We've got to get him back. He was the highlight of the show. I said, look, I thought Ben's was pretty good, and uh, I thought you could also make a case for Kylie in last week's episode because she really did lift it you know to another she elevated and also Liz Stringer just bought you know some really good you know really different vibe um but you said no no this guy went deep last time and we owe it we owe it to him to uh to give him another shot and and to see where he can take this thing I said okay I'm happy to do this so back by popular demand I'm going to call it that Ladies and gentlemen, can I reintroduce you to the wonderful Ryan Munro? Ryan Munro, welcome back. Hey, welcome back. fellas. Good to be back so soon. Yeah. Well, has, has it been so soon? I mean, I think it's been like four months. Yeah, I don't know. Those four months have kind of flown past with lockdown <laughs> somehow. Like, even like, you know, the time kind of seemed to drag. But at the same time, like, I feel like July was only last week. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the pathway to Beyonce's visual album? I mean, it probably is about a four month stretch, <sighs> isn't it? It feels like a long time ago that I watched that. But you know what, guys? I haven't cancelled Disney Plus yet. I don't know about you. Me either. <laughs> You're still going. I actually, uh, I actually re reapplied through a, a different email address uh, oh, nice. specifically to, to watch Hamilton, which I was really. Um, oh. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Said not to watch that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure I, I did say that. I watched Hamilton, and I am going to. I'm just going to put this on the public record that it is absolutely brilliant. Um, oh. Yeah, musical theatre, singing and dancing. It is my kind of a vibe, singing and dancing. 
if if musical theatre is your thing, then look, maybe that is good. Like I don't, ju- I can't judge that because I I literally hate musical theatre on most levels. Actually, mm. probably all levels. So the the moment from the moment it started to the moment it finished it, I I loathed it. But you know, Ryan, maybe you have a different view on musical theatre. Not really, was I know what you mean though. If you if you don't if you come into it not liking musicals, it's hard to tell if it's good or not, right? Like, mm. if you don't like them as, as a rule, you, you probably won't know the, the difference between a good one and a bad one, I guess. But I haven't watched Hamilton because, I don't know, I just I yeah. don't think I would. I have listened to the soundtrack, though. Like, somebody gave an incredibly high recommendation for that. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty clever, but I, I just haven't watched it. But um, Look, I'm the guy yeah. whose partner sent him off with the kids to watch a movie called The Greatest Showman. And uh, about three minutes into it, I just texted. I'm like, "You, I can't believe you did this to me. It's a freaking musical, and you, <laughs> you knew that. And you took just the sent me off there anyway." Okay. Uh, you, now, you left the you left the kids with like a twenty dollar bill and was like, "Guys, you can find me in the pub later." Yeah, buy buy yourself something from the kiosk. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just sort of. It just shouldn't mix, you know, stories and like maybe, look, maybe the old Disney stuff. We both got the Disney Channel. I, I would happily go back and watch Mary Poppins or Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. It, it just seemed to, it they seem to take it too seriously now. Music musicals are a serious genre, and once upon a time there was a lot more comedy and playfulness in them, and now they're just something different. And I don't right. like what they are. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk <clears throat> musicals. Uh, if we can talk musicals for about five more seconds, how do you feel about the Blues Brothers? Is that a musical? Well, people start singing instead of talking, so I, I think that counts, yeah. The, okay, well... Like, you know, they're in the diner and then Aretha Franklin starts singing Think Out of Nowhere and like that happens quite a lot in that movie. So I think Blues Brothers is a musical and I love it. So Okay, well, mm, maybe we should uh, like... Um, have some sort of year whereby musical <laughs> got shit, like so post yeah. eighty. So, like so never ending story. That was good. That, I mean, was that a musical? The day the music died. Wh- wh- which day was that for musicals? <laughs> like anything, I would probably say anything. Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Andrew, Webber. Andrew onwards. Lloyd Webber. Yeah, like, that's right. He absolutely. He he he's the guy. He's the guy that absolutely killed it. I yeah. mean, we could well be defamed for this. Um, or we are defa- are we defaming? Are we defaming? I don't we think better so. call, I don't we should get the legal call, team uh, onto it. Yeah, we'll get we'll call LR legal. Um just one more question on on musicals and then we will get down to it, but I think this awesome. is an important thing thread to follow. Uh concept albums, are they musicals? <laughs> do you, I think do we you, don't um, really want to go down this pathway again, do we? Do you mean like a rock opera like Jesus Christ Superstar? Because that was that's Andrew Lloyd Webber, and that that's one of my other exceptions. I'm really into Jesus Christ Superstar, Ooh, specifically the scandalous. the 1973 movie version. Like, I haven't yeah. seen it. I don't know. So I love Ryan, it. Um, you're 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 fast outing yourself here, man. This you 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 because I like because <laughs> I like one and a half musicals. Yeah. What was the... <laughs> What was the one with Lady Gaga and uh, that came oh, out last year? Um, uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy from uh, Hangover. Yeah, so a star is born. A star is born. Yeah, hundred yes. yeah. percent. That's a musical. I've seen the Streisand and Chris Christopherson version, oh, right. and the one before that, and I like both of those, but I don't. I'm not going to watch. I'm probably, I'm probably not going to watch that either. I That's the kind of movie where 
maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm being a bit smug, but I just feel like I can guess the plot based on what the poster looks like. <laughs> Look, I, would, uh, yeah. I don't need to, to go watch and watch. It, you know? Go watch the Barbara Streisand Chris Christopherson version. It's actually quite interesting. Um, it was it was on SBS one night, and I just fell into it, and I enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yeah, God, there's a, it's a really there's lots of subgenres of musicals. I mean, I don't think this is the forum to to go down this path. <laughs> we'll anymore. put it on. Are, we'll put it on our like podcast list. Yeah, we'll put it on the end of the year at least. We'll have a separate um, aside version. Hey, if it's got a soundtrack, it's an album, and if it's an album, you can review it, guys. <laughs> if we just if Eric just burst into song now, would that be like a musical podcast? Like it could well is be. That a genre? It could well be. <laughs> All right, it take us well to the Instagram mic of the week, please. Okay, so every week we <laughs> like to basically show our love on Instagram to a new page, which is what we call the Instagram like of the week for uh, for for normal uh, digital media users. They like to celebrate who likes their podcast. However, we like to celebrate which people we like from our podcast page so this has become quite a uh look it's it's a really hard segment um waza really <laughs> likes to test us out so waza please could you give us a couple of clues who our instagram like of the week is this week okay here we go so this person was born in glen ridge new jersey he graduated third glen, in the hang class on, glen ridge the host of <laughs> <Sailor Century. laughs> Glen Ridge, yeah, I think Glen Ridge was named after this this uh, town in New Jersey. <laughs> Glen Ridge, Ridge. On that. I'm, I'm going to have a hard is. time getting past that. Anyway, sorry. Maybe it is he Glen was, Ridge. He was born in Glen Ridge. Maybe That's I'm an like incredible throwing you because, off because I mean, based on my knowledge of this podcast, isn't the theme from Sale of the Century playing in the background right now at this part? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my well, god! We don't like to talk about that in case that's uh, subject to any sort of uh, copyright abuse. Anyway, uh, again, born in Glenridge, New Jersey, he graduated third in his class from the United States Military Academy at West Point with a degree in mechanical engineering. He was commissioned into the United States Air Force and served as a fighter pilot. He flew 66 combat missions and shot down two enemy aircraft. Upon leaving the Air Force, he went back to school and did a doctoral thesis at MIT, writing a paper which explored the theory of line-of-sight guidance techniques, earning him the nickname of Dr. Rendezvous. Cool nickname. <clears throat> it is, yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but it is a, you know, it's a nickname nonetheless. He has written two autobiographies. His second detailing his long-standing battle with alcoholism, alcoholism and depression but his main claim to fame is that he's a very he's in the, a very special club that only 12 men in the world are a part of eight of them of which are now dead oh sorry i i thought you were going to tell us the club <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to tell you the club oh, okay. I'll, I'll give it away if i tell you what the club is damn um can i sorry, can i, I take think... a can i take a stab yeah, Eric, I mean, you, you are on my train of thought these days, so I think you're going to go close straight away. Okay, does... No, this is a, this is a real stab, but is this, uh, is this guy also an actor? He's not. 
Okay, so we're going. So in the Air Force, went to uni, <coughs> served as an Air Force pilot, and is in a club. Okay, so he's in a club, and only how many people have been in the club? Twelve. Twelve people. Eight of them are now dead. <coughs> he's Judas. Mm. No, wait on. Sorry. <laughs> that could well be. I don't. Th- I guess there could have been an Air Force back in the day. So a, a yes. different type of an Air Force. So um, he's obviously fought fought in a war. He he's fought in a war. Uh, I think we might need a further clue. Was can you give us a bit more? Mm, yeah, um, he's he's very okay. This might give it away. He's very famous for being the second at doing something. Something. Mm. He was the second person ever to do this thing. Oh. <laughs> Does his uh, does his um, is his first name both? <laughs> Just a... say it. Just say it. I <laughs> are we talking Buzz Aldridge? We are. To- Buzz Aldridge. Oh my god. Are we talking Buzz Aldrin? Aldrin. Ryan Munro. Congratulations on selecting <laughs> Buzz Aldrin as Edwin the Instagram Buzz Aldrin. Like um, of the week. Edwin Buzz Aldrin. That's right. I I, what a I don't get the points for that though because. Um, I mean, let, let's face it, Eric gave me a pretty big clue. <laughs> well, Aldridge could have thrown anyone off. I mean, well, I think, was, I think I was just on the Glen Ridge tip and, you know, I was just vibing on that. <laughs> so. Glen Ridge Ridge. Yeah, Aldridge. But, got it. Got it. But I get it now. Twelve, The club, 12 people who've walked on the moon. Correct. I've even read a book about that, but the number 12 didn't really, really ring any bells yeah, for well, me. I did have to look it up, actually, because um, I knew it wasn't many. And I was surprised that eight of them are now dead. So, like, Neil passed away, I think it was two years ago now. Yeah. Um, but they were the first. So, obviously, I mean, they were quite old, I guess, a lot of them. when They, they were in their 40s, most of them, when they were walking on the moon. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the amount of stuff they had to have done in their career. I mean, you know, all the military stuff plus engineering stuff, that, that takes mm. time. There's no shortcut to getting to the moon, I guess. Yeah. Don't you yearn for the days when uh, spider pilots would just go off and do a doctoral thesis at MIT <laughs> and now we're just talking about, what are we talking about now? It's just good to freaking have a pickup truck and uh, a couple of guns and that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <sighs> that would have been the director's cut of Top Gun where he went off and wrote a thesis after Goose died. Yeah. yeah. You don't see that bit. Hey, did, did the sequel to Top Gun ever come out? It was called Maverick or something? Oh my god! No, really? I don't know if well, it did. I've kind of I've lost track of movies because cinemas have closed down, and even if they did come out, there's nowhere to watch them. So, I remember seeing a trailer about a year ago when I went and saw yes. Joker. It was a trailer for, or a poster, maybe for Maverick. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I think start it's probably Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, Kelly McGillis though. Goose is dead, obviously. Goose uh, is dead. Val Val Kilmer is dead. Nice man. I oh, know he's. Oh. I think he's alive. Yeah. Didn't he have something? Did he have some dialysis or something? Something's with Val Kilmer. I can I tell remember. you a little, anecd- uh, a little personal anecdote that I was actually nicknamed Iceman in uh, <laughs> in high school did you, because I uh, did you give yourself I, that nickname? Did you? <laughs> I was nicknamed that by my soccer coach. Thank you very much because I took a penalty kick in the 90th minute to tie the game in pouring Boom. pouring rain. And and no and basically the penalty was granted and I just grabbed the ball and the coach was like that was so brave I was like mate it's just because 
I needed that shit for my ego um, schoolboy file, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and ever, ever since, ever since I like to kind of um, say goodnight to myself by saying goodnight, Iceman. I'm sure you guys all <laughs> say goodnight to yourself too. So you said thanks, Coach. This will help with my podcast one day. Maybe the uh, Maverick uh, album's due to come out at the same time as the Bill and Ted's. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Maybe it's going to come out. Maybe they're going to come it'd out. Good, at the same it would time. be good to know what, that sound, what the soundtrack for that uh, movie would be as oh. well. That'd be pretty cool. The, the, I had the, new the Bill soundtrack. Well, I had either, the soundtrack to Bill like, and Ted's Bogus Journey, and it just rocked my world in, what, 1990, I guess? I feel like there was a lot of Dweezil Zapper involved. No, no, no. It was like Slayer and uh, there was Kiss. Obviously, God gave rock and roll to you. Um, Steve Vai, Richie Kotzen. You know, just just the the greats, the greats of Stratocaster, you know, pimped out Stratocaster guitar Floyd Rose, Uh, the whole thing, yeah. Eric Johnson. I know Steve Vai did the sound effects, you know, when they, you know, Bill and Ted go and look at each other. Steve Vai made all those noises, so. Oh, wow. Instant legend there. Yeah. They couldn't get Eddie Van Halen, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that I'm really looking forward to would be, especially with a Top Gun or a new Bill and Ted soundtrack, is it might just be this platform for like 2020 working guitar rock bands to sort of suddenly emerge into the mainstream. Like, I'd, I want what I would, I would love is not like a throwback, but like here are here are the hottest guitar rock bands on the planet, and I I could probably say. Kumar and the Punkawallas may well be like yeah. borderline the entire soundtrack. Yeah, Look, maybe the whole maybe the whole movie's been financed by like a heavy metal guitarist union or something. Maybe they put up the, the they are the money just to... they're definitely a powerful block. <laughs> <laughs> the the only song I've heard from the new Bill and Ted movie is uh, there's a track by Weezer that um, that they've done for it, which you would think. The guitar playing is not going to be good enough, but it is. It has that full Bill and Ted kind of harmonized like thing in the middle. It, yeah, it, it's great. Oh, but problem with the new Bill and Ted is um, no Rufus because um, oh no, that guy Rufus. What, what's his name? Oh, did he die? Oh, yeah, he died. Um, oh, did he die COVID. I don't know what his name is? <laughs> no, no, years ago. But I okay. Yeah, mm. I would, you know, I wish I could have his name. Really... St- Stand-up comedian. He, uh, yeah, anyway, that oh. guy. Um, what about, do you know if Dogstar got a song on the album? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> is that the name of his band? Is that yes, that's great yeah. recall. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that is really well, good recall. Ever since watching uh, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix and watching that just amazing cameo from Keanu, I've actually... You know, having a bit of a Keanu year. Have you guys seen that? No. Just just watch that film just for the cameo. It's just amazing. Wow. Well, I think it's amazing. a. I think it's, it's really good quite a funny film. I think it's a really good opportunity to segue into uh, our first album of the week. I would say a River Phoenix analogy is perfectly positioned to move us to. The first album that we can review this week, which will be Gordy, which is also the name of the lead character Ooh. in Stand By Me. Oh, amazing segue. Yeah, let's have a quick short break and we'll come back with our first album of the week. Your cold hand is underneath as you 
Gordy's new album called Our Two Skins. All right, give us some lowdown on it. Thanks, Was. So, Sophie Payton, born December 28, 1992, known professionally as Gordy, is an Australian folktronic singer-songwriter. Payton is based out of Sydney, New South Wales, where she currently resides. Payton hails from the small town of Canawindra in the central west of New South Wales. I think that's an old uh, Wikipedia entry because from what I understand, she actually lives in Melbourne now. And I might just ch- uh, add a bit of trivia to that because I, I heard something really cool about her pretty recently. Um, Payton's music has been featured in various TV series and films. Her 2015 single, Can We Work It Out, featured in the ser- seventh series of Vampire Diaries. Her 2017 her 2017 single Heaven I Know featured in the 10th series of The Walking Dead and her 2017 song Something Like This featured in the 2020 teen romantic comedy To All The Boys P.S. Still I Love You Peyton began receiving both national and international attention after playing independently across Sydney whilst at university and releasing tracks online through government funded national Australian radio station Triple J Unearthed Gordy was nominated for the 2015 Unearthed Artist of the Year J Award from Triple J the 2015 Next Big Thing SMAC, Sydney Music and Arts and Culture Award, and was dubbed one of the 40 Best New Talents in 2016 by Stereo Gum. Peyton signed a record deal with uh, Jag- is it? Jag- Jaguar-, Jaguar in the US yep. in Feb 2016, and Liberation oh, Music. Oh, that the one Stevens assigned to? I believe Did so. Stevens assigned to that? Yep, yeah. yeah. And uh, with Liberation in uh, Australia. Gordy then released her debut EP, All Music Is Good, in what? May 2016. Oh, oh my God. Call what? LR Legal right now. What? Call LR Legal right now. What? Um, I think what we're going to do, I think we might actually call LR Legal right now. Um, I'm sure I thought of this name for a podcast in 2012, and I've got it written down somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Were there podcasts um, in 2012? Gordy's debut LP, Reservoir, or could be Reservoir, this is all starting to intersect, I'm freaking out, released on August 25th, 2017, was co-produced by Peyton in part with Alex Summers in his studio in Iceland, Tim Anderson in LA, and Ali Chant in New York City. Um, I'm going to move over to where we are right now, which is 2020 and her new release, which is titled our two skins and just for the record one of the really interesting things about Gordy is uh she's also actually a doctor and she moved to melbourne uh when covid hit to actually oh. work in the emergency department um yes she was on q a yeah correct right. so a yes, pretty impressive okay. a pretty impressive young woman born 1992 uh you know it, it definitely shines a light i, I you know on uh mm. what one can achieve in one's life and what one has wasted in one's life and maybe we'll talk a little bit about (laughs) my own issues (laughs) later on um uh we will get into the music so um look i was brought into this album straight away uh the 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 intro of the record was really kind of cool it sort of set up some sort of kind of thematic feeling there um and then it just kind of launched into the song airplane bathroom and for me that was just a beautiful beautiful piece um it was a gorgeous piano sound i loved that kind of upright um sort of lounge room piano sound that the that the, mm. that gordy pulled on that and 
it was funny because I well it wasn't funny. I actually listened to this song in the morning and actually just started crying. I was really moved by that piece of music, and it got me thinking: was it the music? Was Trump or up or by was yeah? Was Trump <laughs> up by about hundred thousand in Pennsylvania? Well, at that it, stage? it got me. It it, <laughs> it got me thinking. Um, and yes, I actually did listen to it on the morning of when Trump was ahead. So I was probably quite emotional and mm. I also hadn't slept, uh, because I was just too <laughs> anxious. Um, but there was a line in that song that I just thought was so beautiful. And she, she said, will I ever get my shit together in this airplane bathroom? And I just thought like it was such a beautiful piece of imagery, um, and then it also got me thinking whether she was referring to a Jetstar airplane bathroom. And then <laughs> I, or, I, I got even more emotional. Um, the the other thing that I noticed, just like the way, you know, her vocal tone, um, I, I feel as though the singer from London, Grammar, I, d- I don't recall her name, um, yeah. but has really, really sort of set a standard for this kind of trained vocal delivery. And I feel as though Gordy has you know I, I see an influence there i'm not saying it's referential i just see that same level of kind of deep vocal technique that i think is really solid um and it did give me some london grammar vibes uh and the other song that I, that stuck out for me there was a song called unready um i thought it was just ready made for just a massive hit worldwide i'm i'm gonna keep an eye on that one um didn't love the mix though i thought there was a few like sort of big bombastic kind of tracks there where it's very kind of sparse arrangement, big vocal, and then the drums are just like really back in the mix and I just kind of wondered what what's going on there. I'd, I'd be curious to see if any of you guys picked that up as well. Um, and then the song Radiator, uh, for me, I, that was a real standout as well. I thought, I just, I love a song that just commits to going, you know what, it's a one and a half minute intro and that's cool and let's leave it as is. And uh, and I'm sure Woz will have some things to say about that. But um, yeah, it started with a, pretty much a one to one and a half minute intro and and it kind of reinforced the, the kind of things I like to hear Gordy do, which is that sort of stripped back piano style. Um, and I felt like um, when she's kind of performing in that space, uh, the songs feel as though there's more meaning coming out and by meaning I usually mean pain um, which is again one yeah. of those things that I look for in this kind of music um, and I just think the vocal delivery overall is just really really solid and, and I think it's something that from an Australian music point of view we should we should be pretty proud of as something that's been made here and um, hopefully is really successful internationally um, I'd love to see what you thought was. Uh, okay, thanks. Uh, she before I listened to the album, I saw that she's up for another J Award. Maybe I don't know what the J Awards even are these days. Um, but obviously, they like her, and she's doing something good in that spectrum. But like you, um, I really like that track to Airplane Bathroom. Um. What I liked about it was that, you know, we off, we live in that world of uh, MIDI and quantization. Well, I certainly do. Um, but I liked that it was loose and it was off-click and it wasn't auto-tuned. And, like, there was some really easy auto-tune fixes <laughs> in that song. And I liked that they left it and they just made it sound <laughs> natural. And 
it added to what was you know it was a really basic song pattern but it felt authentic because I'd left that and they didn't fix it and so that was a tick for me uh that was a tick for me uh I really I I liked how the vocals were mixed across the entire album actually and I I liked the doubling and it sort of helped helped the vocal I mean the vocals carried a lot of the whole album I mean they floated across most songs and uh, look, from a mixed perspective, Eric, like I, I know what you're saying with that sort of trashy drums and, you know, we've listened to a lot of albums recently where there's been trashy drums that have been mixed trashy, but they've sort of settled in the mix to, to amongst everything else that was nice and slick. And that wasn't the case in this one, but it didn't actually bother me. Um, track three, the one that you liked, what was that called again? Um, unreal, uh, unreal, what's it? The big hit. Uh, let me just pull it yeah, up. Yeah, the big hit. I thought it was quite formulaic, but it was nice. Um, I like track four, Sandwiches. I thought it had a bit of a Cranberries Celtic vibe to it. But I think, oh, yeah. you know, I can see how that sort of links to, um, you know, the, that London grammar, Florence and the Machine sort of vibe. And, and she was touching on a lot of that for a lot of this album. Um, Look Like You was quite similar to Aeroplane Bathroom. Singer, songwriter, piano. Um, Look, she's not reinventing anything here. And... I guess you'd say it's, you know, it's it's that type of music that's like a cyclical indie style pop. I wouldn't call it folktronica. I mean, mm, that yeah, that's like a bit a of cool, a weird one. Yeah, that sounds like a cool marketing term that just sort of sits in a Wikipedia bio. Uh, I'd like good, to but... throw to Ryan on that because uh, <laughs> it'd be good to get your take on uh, on the genre categorization of folktronica. Yeah, well, what is folktronica? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I saw that she's been described as folktronica as well, but uh, that I don't know. I I. I wasn't hearing a lot of Tronica. I wasn't hearing a lot of folk. It's just kind of indie pop, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it's indie pop. Um, That's what I'm saying. It's genres are weird, it's... but you know what, guys? Wikipedia mm. is not the most reliable source of information. <laughs> no, it's That's a bit true. like Fox News sometimes. Yeah, like you know, you could you know you could go to someone's Wikipedia page to find out what their first EP was called, for instance, and mm-hmm. who knows who wrote that information in there. That sounds like that sounds like a lived that sounds like a lived experience. Yeah, I will. Uh, from personal experience, um, the Cat Empire has been described as all sorts of things. I think the reason we get referred to as a scar band is because it said that on Wikipedia for years. But you know, that wasn't our idea. Sure, sure. You're getting your whole scar marketing people that might not come to your gig right. I mean, that could be a good thing. Yeah, you yeah, just, yeah, just they... cut an entire section of the market out. Well, they're only going right. to enjoy about two songs if they're really there for scar. But, you know, it's... um, mm. I guess what I'm trying to get at is um, anyone can write things on Wikipedia, guys. Well, it is true, that... and I've been there and I've done that, and it is true. Um, look, let me finish off. Uh, I thought... <laughs> I thought the album worked because it was heartfelt and it was sung with passion and soul and that's the type of music that connects to people. Um, So there's going to be a market and an audience for Gordy and, you know, I can actually see these songs standing up really well on a big festival stage. Um, Totally. You know, there's a lot of space and emotion and that tribal sort of, you know, the Florence and the Machine style that I was talking about before. Yeah. and I think it'll work well in that setting. Like, I mean, as somebody who's probably played a thousand more festivals than I have, I mean, maybe you can comment on that, Ryan. Would that would would it stand up well? I think it would. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
for some reason, the, the impression I get from her music is it'd be one of those bands where there'd be some floor toms on stage, not attached totally. to drum kits. You know, that, I, I guess, if that's what you mean by tribal Florence and the machine. Yeah. It's like Shepherd at the grand final this year. They've got the standing drums and they're. Oh, did they? The did they get the floor toms lasers. out? Yeah, they got the floor toms out, man. It was a, it was a, it was like a, it was a floor tom choir almost. I, I <laughs> Roto drums. There was. You're right. There was drummers actually with snare drums, wasn't there? It was like a marching band sort of thing. Yeah, nothing gets people kind of chair dancing like a bunch of people hitting a, some floor toms, you know, I on a stadium floor- stage. I think multiple people hitting floor toms looks a lot better than it sounds. <laughs> it looks amazing. It looks yeah. great. It's mostly oh, the visuals, yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. you've got a big band doing 1999 by Prince at the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, that also works. But, you know, failing that, roto toms, any type of percussion. percussion <laughs> and uh, uh, it definitely. I mean, it, it definitely... It definitely looks better than a bunch of people standing next to rack-mounted toms. Uh, agreed. Or like, what are they, what's, what are those? What, what are they called when they the frames for the kits? So they don't. Look oh, the frames. Either. The framed kits. Never been a fan. Anyway, sorry, we, we're crapping on. Um, Ryan, what do you think of this album? Um, when when you sent through the list of albums to check out, I, I um, listened briefly to a bit of this just because I. Um, I guess I hadn't heard of Gordy. I just wanted to get some sort of idea of what I was in for. And I did not enjoy Aeroplane Bathroom like you guys did. Like, I just kind of thought if the whole album's like this, I'm going to have a hard time getting through it. Like, just there's a fine line between they captured a really raw kind of a performance and you just could have got a better take than that, you know. And I just thought if the whole thing's like this, I'm going to have a hard time. But the whole thing was not like this. It was... uh, I guess compared to how much I thought I wasn't going to enjoy the album, I loved it. It's uh, wow, okay. The uh, I saw that it was produced by Chris Messina and Zach Hansen. They're the uh, the the guys who do Bonavere's stuff, and there's a bit of a Bonavere connection with Gordy as well. I think it said she's toured with her as well, and uh, with uh, with Bonavere as well, and. Um, I've never really gotten into that whole scene either, so I just kind of thought this is not going to be for me. But no, the the songs were great, and the production was just like a like a warm jumper. I just loved it. the 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 drums were a bit distant, but I think that's kind of what they're what they're going for. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I I I thought it was great, and um, I don't know. She's a real artist, like uh, as you said before, go Australia. It's so mm. cool that we've. Uh, got someone like this and um yeah i guess my my standout was probably sandwiches by far that mm, yeah and i feel like a bit of a bogan saying this but the standouts for me were the ones with drums so yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um mm. yeah i i'm not sure what she does live but you know other than the floor toms i guess we can assume but um yeah <laughs> yeah i i i had a great time listening to this and um yeah. Look, I think you could easily tear strips off this album. It's that sort of album that you know, as it's as you said, it's, it's a pop, it's an indie pop album, and you can go either way on it because it's not, as I said, she's not in reinventing anything here, but she's just done it well. But, I think. But do you think? I mean, you know, I think there is a danger in that level of um, criteria when you look at music as well, um, and and I say that 
as someone that does that all the time, right? So what, what do you mean? Like from well, I, I'm always looking for something that's new or fresh or exciting and or something that's tapping something a bit kind of left of center. And it, it, if it's that, then I'm like, like I actually discount the songwriting and I'm just like I'm into the ideas. And I think yeah. with with this kind of record, like. I think it, it does it a disservice, like you both said, like the kind of, and again, you know, with a caveat of it being a Wikipedia entry, but like to, to categorize this music as anything but pop music is probably just a, a, a bit of a stretch too far and let it be pop music because that's what it yeah. is. And and I think, um, you know, that it, it could be an Australian thing potentially. Um, you know, Taylor Swift would not have any issues being characterized as a pop artist nor mm. would um nor would uh who is that who was that amazing folk artist who um who we reviewed a few weeks ago was uh um, Walsh. yeah like like there's a sort of a commitment to to, to standing by a, a a particular style and going this is this is the canon of pop music and this is where i sit in it but in this country and potentially yeah, due right. to the kind of the radio stations potentially that kind of broadcast this music like to Definitely. call something pop to call something pop music means well it's going to be on fox so instead <laughs> let's let's just call yeah. it folktronica and and suddenly it's got a place somewhere and i'm, I'm i think it's a, a little bit disappointing and and potentially actually limits the kind of opportunities that this artist might have in the uk or the us and that kind of thing what do you guys yeah, reckon about look, that? someone yeah, who's just as someone who's just bought out a, an 80s style pop album um with kylie and you know we geared this whole podcast towards that last week as we found out um you know i'd like to pitch it to i'd like to pitch that album to gold fm you know but but you yeah know, i can't do that because you know it's not you know you can't it's but that's it's what not, it is it's so not you're right. from I mean, the 80s that's yeah. right Sorry, I interrupted, Ryan. Yeah, uh, no, that's all right. Um, there, there's there's no there's no Grammy for best folktronica releases there. <laughs> you know, that if this is, is going to win anything, it's going to win best pop something. Best, yeah, totally. Best female folktronica vocal. Well, I don't con- know. Contemporary, <laughs> adult contemporary. I mean, I think there needs to be a little bit more focus on the adult contemporary genre broadly. Um, I would probably put this in the adult contemporary space. Yeah, even I think it was made by. This is, this uh, <laughs> not an adult 28 year old 28 year old yeah yeah um well yeah it's got double j slash triple j crossover written all over it for an australian point of view mm. um mm. look i think we've look she didn't do any there, it's had common chord um cycles and pretty standard vocal melody pathways um it's it's pop but, but you know what she's actually writing songs you know i mean that's right in a, in a world where so many I mean, the, the word pop gives different people different ideas, but in a world where so many songs are kind of written by committee and kind of, you know, pieced mm. together over the internet, it makes yep. me wonder sometimes, where are the songwriters who sit down and write a song? And, you know, this is one of them and it's it's great. Yeah, You're going Agreed. deep when you start, sort of ask that question because we've sort of, you know, we've, we've gone love- down this pathway many times, like what is a song now? Yeah. What is a song? Is it? A bridge and a chorus and a verse, or is it a hook and another hook? So, I mean, that that just goes down. This is a more standard, traditional style of songwriting. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really glad it's still happening. I guess. Yeah, yep. agreed. 
Um, Arik, I think we take this to the committee and we introduce our rating scale of the week so we can we can score this this thing. Thanks, Was. So every week on the All Music is a Good podcast, we like to uh, celebrate uh, our unofficial sponsor. The unofficial sponsor of this podcast has no understanding or, uh, I guess, um, pre-warning that they are the unofficial podcast sponsor. Sometimes it's a business, sometimes it's a concept, sometimes it's just an overarching thing. So for this week... I would like to announce the All Music Is Good unofficial podcast sponsor is the Donut Spare Tire. What? The Donut Spare Tire. Thanks, guys. Is that like a, like a real donut or a tire shop? So spare tires are full-size tires that are the same size as your existing tires. On the other hand, donuts are a temporary spare tire. They are much smaller than your regular tyre and are only meant for short distances until you can get a new full-size tyre. One thing most drivers dread is coming face-to-face with a flat tyre. Keeping our tyres in top shape helps, but sometimes a flat just can't be avoided. It rarely happens, but almost everyone with a vehicle has had to deal with it at some point. We would go to the trunk, get out the extra tyre, mount it and go. In the last few years, however, the tyres residing in our trunks have not been the same. In fact, they're a bit smaller in diameter than the normal wheels on the car. That is the donut tire, and it's not meant for driving, at least not very far. When flat tires occur, you have something that gets you going again in a pinch. Here's a brief guide to explaining why we have them and how they should be used and what to expect if you need to use one. Why Why we have donut spare tires? Well, this is an interesting bit of trivia, guys. Sorry, why does you seem like you've got a question? I'm just going to say, this is stupid. Like, like, why would you need a donut spare tyre? Please explain it to me. Why would you well, just get a normal tyre? Well, here it is. Car manufacturers are always looking for ways to save space and money. Offering a full-size spare tyre with a new car would mean taking up trunk space with a deeper tyre wheel... Well, with a deeper tyre wheel well, as we saw with older cars. Also, by doing away with a tyre and jack the car becomes a few pounds lighter. That small bit of weight loss means better fuel economy, saving you more money at the pump. Donut tyres fill the need for a spare, but don't cost as much money to manufacture. Ladies and gentlemen, the All Music Is Good Unofficial's podcast sponsor, the Donut Spare Tyre. Now, I should... Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Look, you guys look really bowled over. Um... Look, what I'd like to do, and the reason I, I wanted to shout out this unofficial sponsor is uh, I got a flat tyre um, on Saturday last week. And actually, was I, I should note that you are the person that taught me how to change a tyre. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. A few years ago, uh, I had a flat outside of my flat in Elwood, and you came and we ch- when we changed my tyre. So thank you for that. Um, my but pleasure. I got a flat tyre. Yeah, I got a flat tire in Carlton, and uh, I was I was actually at Readings Bookstore, and uh, and then I got this flat on Ligon Street, and it just and it was co- you know it was the first day of everything being open for COVID, and I just got out of my car, and just got the jack out of the boot and changed the tire, and a whole bunch of um, old Italian men like 
looked at me with approving nods and scowls as they mm. do and I put on my donut spare tire and I've been driving around with my donut spare tire all week <laughs> and <laughs> that's not and the idea you, of the donut <laughs> well that's why I want to make it the unofficial sponsor because in fact you know inner city driving I'm going to really test out how long I can stay with mm-hmm. my donut spare tire because I'm not going over 40 kilometers an hour so let's 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 roll it's got this beautiful yellow sheen um, mm-hmm. it definitely turns heads as I you know zip around in my Ford Fiesta and um, and I'm I, I've so, got a lot of love for the donut spare tire so was the reason that you got the donut spare tire because of your concerns around weight and fuel economy in your car <laughs> yes were they the, main, I mean, was that the look, main reason well look COVID really is has been one of those times where whilst it's been incredibly depressing to not see anyone we also have lots of spare time to kind of really drill into some ways we can make our life better and as i did the maths i i i was like well you know this is easily three and a half kilos less than a regular tire so you know when you add that up across a hundred thousand clicks on the odometer um and then you kind of do the math on the fuel efficiency particularly if you're on 91 unleaded versus premium unleaded um Mm. it really starts to add up so, have you also found that you've been using that extra space that you've saved in the in the well? Yeah, you can put other stuff in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what have you been it's using that stuff. extra space for? Yeah, <laughs> uh, donuts. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, real well, donuts. <laughs> Come out to my wheel well. I've got a selection of uh, fancy well, donuts. Dude, just fill it, fill it with ice. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Come on, I mean, there's no, no, it's true. I mean, not, we're not. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> you guys, you guys have brought up a really good point because, look, um, you know, I I'm living in a in a in, I live right now in a big room in a shared in a share house, and I've got a studio space down the road that I can dump my my gear. But every now and again, you know, like where does where does one put their old journals? And I mean, I'm oh. a nostalgic, you know, I'm a nostalgic guy, and you know, I mean. Like, old journals shouldn't be on the shelf. That's just going to remind you of things that you don't want to do anymore. So, yes, I actually use that extra well space for my old journals. Right. Yeah, yeah. you're right, though. You've got to put them somewhere. Um, I, I've been doing a pretty extensive what did I do every day journal for about five years. and uh, That's it's, amazing. It, really? it, it's only going to be interesting to me but i have realized that every year i get another one and you know you got to put them somewhere and uh this the reality of that really came crashing down i was watching a documentary about gary shandling and he he kind of said to the cameraman all right come in here here it is and he opened up this like treasure chest that was just full of journals and he said i've been writing everything i do since i was 18 years old it's all in there somewhere so that's it you just end up with this chest of journals there it what's is what's the reasoning behind doing that why, why did you decide to start doing that yeah that's a good question there must have been a reason at the start or just you someone gave you a journal for christmas and you thought you better use it people often give people journals for christmas but you know <laughs> what do people do with them no um i don't know i guess i just wanted to be able to remember when stuff happened so uh yeah i think i think it's a really good um 
it's like it's a good test of the brain. Like I, I, I play actually a memory game with myself quite regularly because I just want to test like what my recall is on really banal moments in my in my life. And and I actually often uh, play this game where I have a shower in the morning and I'm showering and I'm just doing what I do and then and then I take a moment and go try and remember this moment tomorrow when I'm doing the same thing and see if anything is feeling different from right today to tomorrow and I mean so I think generally how does that test your how does that test your brain like what what is it the fuck, point of this it, it, well the, the the point is I think to just go well today is like a good shower water pressure is solid um, you know there's enough there's <laughs> there's enough soap in the um in the liquid soap space um you know, just little things, and it just—I don't know—it just keeps keeps me sharp. You know, keeps me on on the ball. So it's an observational thing. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Anyway, um, unless we've got anything We're, else to add. To what are we talking about? We're talking about the spare tire. Oh. Well, so no, another. No. <laughs> but I think another, I think we've um, uh, go on, go on. Another point about the uh, the donut spare tire is it's pretty uh topical actually because donuts have been selling through the roof in the last week in melbourne they have been i don't oh. know how this started but yeah because of you know every time we get a a day with zero new cases of COVID, it's a donut day and if there were zero deaths then uh it's a double donut day it's nice how we're celebrating zero deaths isn't it but um yeah anyway maybe, maybe that's why the donut uh spare tire has been at the forefront of your mind for uh sponsors it, it, it is I, I think I'm. I would like to throw to our rating scale for the week, and well, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm I think thinking about. I think I'd like to go down. To, I'd like to go down to Oakley Donut Shop now and get a lemon meringue donut. Now that you just sort of we're talking about donuts, Ooh. have you had a lemon meringue donut before? Ooh. I never Sorry. have. No. Right, let's go to the rating scale. Apologies. Okay, so I would like to put to you both that this week's rating scale is how many journals can you fit in the excess <laughs> cavity of the <laughs> of the donut? Are we are we yeah. down with that? How many of Gary Shandling's journals can you fit in the, in the donut in the, the donut well? The donut well. So that's what we're doing this week. So I might. Are we cool with that? Are we happy to move with that? Because I think that feels really solid. Yep. Feels good, nice. and I don't want to discuss Gary Shandling. I was never a fan of Gary Shandling. I don't get him on any level. Oh, okay. Nice. Hey, okay. Well, have you, check out the opening credits the to Gary Shandling's show. It's it's by yeah. um. Uh, sorry, there's going to be a really boring bit of the podcast where I try <laughs> to remember the name of the guy who did. You got a friend in me, Randy Newman. Oh yeah, Randy Newman. Oh, yeah, Randy yeah. Newman. Yeah. yeah. So Randy yeah. Newman did the the theme to Gary Shandling's show, and the lyrics are like, "This is the theme to Gary's show." Gary called me up and asked me if he'd write his theme song. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> Don't keep oh, on going, look, Ryan. We got all day, okay, man. I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> no, we do not. Let's keep working. Uh, sorry, uh, journals are in the okay, uh, okay. So the well recess of RX car. This week's rating scale is how many journals can you fit in the additional space cre- uh, that has been provided by car manufacturers as a result of the donut tire phenomenon <laughs> I might I might start I think that um, Gordy's record look I think there were some strong songs I wouldn't call it a album 
of music that just kind of knocks me over. I think it's, and and that's no that's no shade on Gordy. I just I I just didn't feel this as like a album that was like this is this is representative of a particular moment in time. It felt like a set of of ten songs, which was solid, but the 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 songs were really pegged around key moments in the record. Um, so that's what's going to inform my review of this album. And I would say, for me, it would be probably six journals that one can fit in the extra space provided by the donut tire in the wheel cavity. What about you, Ron? Um, yeah, I think... The surprise that I had of how much I did enjoy it compared to how much I thought I wasn't going to gives it an extra journal for me. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, but maybe this is more, more, more just a review of, you know, Gordy rather than this album. But I haven't checked out any of her yeah. other music. Like, yeah. I'll have to hunt down all music is good if that is indeed the name of her <laughs> first EP. <laughs> Do you think um, the fact that you thought you were going to hate it has skewed your? your rating of this album? I mean, should you really just give it an extra point because you thought you were going to hate it? Yeah, I don't know. It's, r- reviews are weird, aren't they? They are. <laughs> like, how much, so, of, how much of this is do I like it and how much of it is is this good, I guess? Mm, hey, all yeah. music is good, though. Well, all music, all is, music good. is good. As the name of this podcast, and allegedly, according to Wikipedia, the name of her first EP is also called... <laughs> I am going to... The question to... is, do you trust Wikipedia <laughs> that much, guys? <sighs> Look, we've got... we've obviously, There's obviously some synergy going on between what we're doing and what she's doing. And for that reason alone, Ryan, I'm going to split the difference and say that there's six journals in RX Wheel Recess and maybe another half of a year that she just started off and maybe it's this year maybe it's a covid the covid journal that she wrote of her six months in lockdown in melbourne working at st vincent's hospital i think it was while she was also putting out an album and being which a, which which, you know, which 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 we should probably add would make for some pretty fucking awesome journal review mm. well half a journal's review eric half a journal review sorry yeah yeah so six, six and a half for me. So yeah, we've got a six, a six and a half, and a seven. And that was Gordy's album, Our Two Skins. I'm not here in the flesh, you can take it or not. I'm not claiming, pretending to be what I'm not. I ain't nobody's angel. When this world try to change it, who you are just embrace it, stay courageous. Unapologetic, unashamed with it Times in life I came with it When the unseen became vivid Of different flesh, same spirit It's like a lyric by Stevie Wonder Through inner visions you can see the wonder Spent time in life being a runner Couldn't run from what I seen this summer Trying to understand where we are in time So the second album we have this evening is Commons, A Beautiful Revolution, Part 1 uh, born Lonnie Karant Jamon Shuka Rashid Lin in 1972, he's better known by his stage name Common or formerly Common Sense and is an American rapper, actor and writer. Common debuted in 1992 with the album Can I Borrow a Dollar, gained 
gaining critical acclaim with his 1994 album Resurrection and maintained an underground following into the late 1990s, after which he gained mainstream success through his work with the Soul Aquarians. Common's first major label album like Water for Chocolate received commercial success in 2003, won the Grammy Award for Best R&B Song for the Erika Badu single Love of My Life. His 2005 album B was also a commercial success and was nominated for Best Rub Album at the 2006 Grammy Awards. Hey, when was Dave Chappelle's Block Party? When did that come out? I think it was like 2000, yeah, 05. Yeah, God, he was good on that. Um, Common received his second Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance by a duo or group for Southside, featuring Kanye. From his 2007 album, Finding Forever, his best of album, uh, This Is Me Then, the best of Common, blah, 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 we're going on. He's been on Relatively, Rel- Relativity, Geffen and G.O.D. Music. He won a Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song and the Academy Award for Best Original Song for his song Glory from the 2014 film Selma, in which he co-starred as civil rights movement leader James Bevel. Common's acting career also includes roles in the film Smoking Aces, Street Kings, American Gangster, Terminator Salvation, Date Night, Happy Feet 2, Being Charlie Rex, John Wick Chapter 2, Small Feet, Hunter Killer. Oh, man, he's all over it. That's Um, big. Yeah, it is big. He's also narrated the documentary Bouncing Cats about one man's efforts to improve the lives of children in Uganda through hip-hop and b-boy culture he starred as Elam Ferguson on the AMC Western television series Hell on Wheels which is good too um, but really that only covers a small amount of what this man is he's also a social activist warrior crusader for a number of civil rights and social justice issues and increasingly seems to be a voice of reason amongst the madness so look could there be a more perfect album to listen to at this Melbourne in time Arik Ryan I uh I couldn't agree more with you, Was I mean, Common is the guy. Um, I would also like to add on that list of credits, I've got a feeling he's on the uh, Obama speed dial. Um, <laughs> for anyone that's seen yeah. his t- his uh, White House tiny desk, it's mm-hmm. just next level. And what wow. a cool thing! What a cool thing Amazing. to bring to the White House. Amazing. Look, I don't know about you guys, but like with all the craziness going on in the sphere of global politics like i know well, i mean we're all living on high levels of anxiety and adrenaline and look for me there's not much that i've found that helps subside those spirit uh, those feelings maybe a, a lazy spa um has helped somewhat but um then i listened to this album and like it almost felt like common has become moses he like he'd climbed the mountain and he's come back with this album he only made mm. it in august this year and the last time you were on Ryan, we listened to probably the hardest hip hop album I've ever heard, and Run to Jewels Four. Mm, yeah, and this is the complete opposite. This album, like the the granddaddy of modern hip hop, Common has gotten himself <laughs> into this zen like place, and like, uh, you know, maybe the grandfather analogy is is apt. Like I, every time I'd go and visit my grandparents, like even when when I was a kid, like no matter what was going on in my life, like I'd sit at grandma's table and have a cup of tea and a piece of hedgehog and then all my troubles would disappear. And that's what this album does for me. Um, and as you said, Eric, like if you, if you watch that tiny desk, um, white house episode, uh, you knew that there was a chance that this album was going to go down this path and thank God it did. 
So, like, don't get me wrong when I say this, but, like, it started out with a spoken word piece and on other albums, you know, when the first song is a spoken word track, that just sends red flags up a flagpole for me and uh, feelings of pretentiousness and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm wary. Uh, and then we went to track two and it had that Latin vibe that it actually reminded me of um, really early Black Eyed Peas and... For all those listeners out there who might raise an eyebrow, you know, when I said Black Eyed Peas, maybe go back and check the early Black Eyed Peas work. Um, they were mm. legit amazing. First, first two albums, yeah. <laughs> amazing. And I don't know if you saw, did you see them at uh, Big Day Out? I don't know if anyone saw them at Big Day Out. No, I never saw them. The Black Eyed Peas or? Stage. Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas. Are you talking 2001 when they, uh, they were out here with... Um, the best yeah, hip hop so billing of all time, The Roots and Black Eyed Peas at uh, the Palace. No, I don't know. It wasn't that one, but they played at the Big Day Out, and on the same stage was also Wilco uh, and someone else. Can't remember, but it was just amazing lineup on that side stage. Anyway, I really vibed on that track. Track three, say peace, kept on with that sort of South American vibe with the like Colombian cumbia sort of style groove. And at this point, I mean, we said it before, Eric, you know, we get interested when uh, albums are sort of, you know, going off on these in these weird sort of spaces and not weird, but just different and interesting. And I was getting sucked in big time. Um, there's also a great verse from Black Thought on, on that track. Um, Absolutely. Track, track, track four finally hits that Anderson Pack style R&B groove and that was solid. And then track five starts... And what's it called? Contagious? What was it called? Um, Courageous, yeah. Courageous. And at this point, like, you know, the heavyweights have entered the room and like, you don't even have to look it up. Like, Glasper starts playing his gospel you, chords. But you, you already know, right? Like, You're, you know. You, you, know. you know. it's Kareem Riggins on the drums and when the harmonica starts, you Who know, was well, it? You know Sorry? Who, was that Stevie though? Because I looked at the yes, credits and I was... it's him. It's okay, Stevie. Right. Like, no one plays no, it like no, that. No, like, no, it starts. I, you don't I, even I, have to look I, it up. Just, just hold up. Just hold up because... I listened to the credit. I, I looked up the credits, and there's no Stevie on the credits. It was, um, I guess, that, like I looked on the Spotify credits. So it was songwriting credits. Spotify um, credits, uh, that, not as like good. Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. All right. Like it, all right. But so, you knew. So hold on. Was you're throwing down to Wikipedia credits versus Spotify credits? <laughs> I think it's worth it's worth throwing it to Ryan if if Ryan uh, actually is is down with that kind of position. Sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> was saying, can you compare said, the Wikipedia and Spotify analogy that they're both a bit light on um, fact checking? Um, no, I mean somebody has to supply them to Spotify. I just, I just find they're a bit more reliable on title, which is where I listen to it, and they have all the credits there. And uh, hang on, what is it? Track five, courageous, yeah, associated performer. I mean, do we even have to look? We know it's Stevie. Harmonica, like Stevie. Stevie Wonder. Yeah, there it is. Piano, yeah. Robert Glasper, as you said. Drums, Kareem yeah. Riggins, all the there you go. All the guys. But yeah, I mean, when I don't know about you guys, but Common mentioned Stevie Wonder in the lyrics, and then that in harmonica the solo started, yeah. and I just I just yeah. knew straight away that's Stevie. No one else sounds yeah. like that. That's yeah, no, they don't. True. It was awesome. Um, so we looked at that album by Glasper a little while back, Eric. Was it was it called Dinner Party? Was that what it was called? It was, uh, I believe no, it wasn't Glasper. That was um, no, Glasper was the one was he it? played on it. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think it was called Dinner Party. Um, 
And in that case, when we looked at that album, there was a whole bunch of, it was prone to like noodling and it was, it was overall incohesive. And with this album, Common has assumed like that leader mantle, I think, and he steers everything in the right direction. So the album's really concise and it does what it needs to do. Um, I really liked how overall the tracks have a real song form. And we talked about that with the Gordy album, uh, you know, Common taking the verses and then he has guest singers on to take a chorus, which often take the form of, you know, like him, like chance, um, which was also, um, uh, you could say related to the tiny desk, um, live concert, which also had a lot of that going on and it's super powerful. Overall, I thought there's like a really amazing sense of spirituality um, going on with this release, and I felt it was the perfect album for this time um, in our history. Um, I think this album's the real deal. Um, it's an album for the times, and it's special. I loved it. Loved, loved, loved it. So, uh, yeah, Ryan, what did you think? Uh, I'm glad this came up on the list, actually, because I re-watched American Gangster a few weeks ago. That was... Uh, I think the first time I knew of Common as a rapper slash actor, um, but uh, he was in that. And I think the last album I really got into was um, Finding Forever, which is from about 2007. I don't think I've actually heard anything he's done since then. So after seeing him in that movie, I just thought, I wonder what he's up to now. So this is what he's up to now. Um, I never actually checked out the August Green album. Did you guys hear yeah, that? Yeah, it's good. Yep, really good. That is amazing. I only listened to this, listened to that this week as well after hearing this record. But uh, I guess I, I just thought it was interesting. Like it's almost the same people involved on August Green and this, but it turned out totally differently. And it's just funny how you can put the same people in the same room for a different reason. You know, this is for a common solo album rather than a totally new thing. And um it's just funny how how different it is, I guess. Um, I thought it was a little a little bit disappointing actually because there's there's nine songs, two of them are spoken word mm. bookends. Yeah, and uh, PJ sings the chorus on about four of the songs. It just seemed like the the same ideas were used quite a lot. Um, even the, the there was that track featuring Lenny Kravitz that yeah you know. <laughs> I'm going to should talk have about been that. should have been amazing, I, I thought, but it kind of wasn't. But uh, yeah, I mean, generally, it's just great to hear Common do his thing, though. He sounds great. You're right about it being like only your grandma's house. He's just a kind of a calming voice to hear in in these times, isn't he? But the it really uh, is the the lyrics. I I got no idea what they were about. Like he's so poetic. Like you really have to sit down and figure out what the hell he's talking about. As opposed to well, uh, run the jewels, as you said before, like where there's no doubt what they're talking about there. You know, it's pretty well, literal. Did you read when you were doing your research? Well, I'm sure you did. That you know, he uh, Michelle Obama asked him to come and speak um, with, with a lot of poetry at the White House, and oh, right. he he's done a lot of poetry, and he's been at the centre of. Uh, a couple of controversies with the New Jersey Police Department over some of his poems that um, seem to incite. Ah, oh, look, I'd have to go back and read it. But his poetry is being quite controversial. Uh, so, yeah, he, he does a lot of poetry. So that would make sense that a lot of his verses are a bit... What What is that? What's the word I'm looking for? They don't... There's a lot of uh, riddles. He speaks in riddles, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Um. 
But uh, yeah, I, there was uh, "What Do You Say," and I think there was another one a few tracks later that was just great. Common times, and I love the the production from Kareem Riggins. Actually, the drummer he he produced this, and um, it was also great to hear uh, Isaiah Sharkey on guitar. He's just I, I could just listen to him, you know, nonstop. Never get sick of it. He's, I mean. He reminds me a lot of Kuma Shome actually on guitar. I told Kuma that once and he almost cried, but um yeah, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was I'll cook it, you a curry for this. Right. <laughs> but, I'll do your special um, recipe. But yeah, if you like Isaiah Sharkey's guitar playing, the the track with Lenny Kravitz, there's a full minute of him doing an intro on that. That's worth checking out. But um Yeah. Yeah, um <clears throat> I, I I guess listening to this compared to listening to August Green. Yeah, this just kind of fell a bit short for me, and it's kind of a short album, and it says that it's a part one as well. So uh, it might make more sense when there's a part two, if there is. There you go. Hmm. Arik. Yeah. Look, I Arik's Arik's pausing now. He's he's thinking. No, 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 no. I um I love this. I love this. It, it just it just goes straight into my yep twenty twenty albums. Um, for me, I, lo- I've always loved Common. Like, it's weird. It's kind of, Common's one of those rappers where I can't identify a record. He's a, that, he's like, a rapper's rapper. That, yeah. Yeah. But like, for me, like, I, I, I'm not a Common fan in so much as I don't know his body of work, but every time he gets on the mic, I just listen and, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it opened up things for me around um like just rappers i resonate with and we spoke about this with nas a couple of weeks ago um common when he when when common raps you 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 fully absorb what he's saying that's that's at least from from my point of view he's got there's an eloquence to his raps that just demand attention to what he's saying it's it's more it's more he's he's like an orator in the rather than just a rapper um and i was speaking to a friend this morning about common in particular and i was like i i i'm not sure if i know any other rappers that have the same kind of level of eloquence as as common does for people that may not necessarily sit in a hip-hop subculture and and i and i i I include myself in that space like um like i love hip-hop and i love rap music and and I love the sound of it, but for me, common when common speaks, I, I, I take it all in, and 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 I felt that that was happening here. Um, I mean, I, I'm before I get down to my review, I, I did want to kind of go back onto the, the idea of common being. Oh no no! This is this is the review. <laughs> is this a pre-review? But, is but, it? Yeah yeah. This is the pre-review, but um. Look, I've, there, there are some standout tracks that I'll, I'll talk to in a minute, but you know, I think I mean we've mentioned the the Obamas twice now, um, in relation to Common, and Common is clearly a sort of walk up start to kind of a White House type event, and uh, it, it feels quite apt to sort of be discussing this because was I I should I should mention that Ryan and myself have been discussing uh, over the last forty eight hours the um the, the audio teching 
of Joe <laughs> Biden's acceptance speech. Uh, basically, uh, the way we've been monitoring this year's election is when the line check has been happening at the Biden, um, like at the Biden spot, and and we've right. been going pretty deep on some uh, Did, some kind of audio. Well, they've been line checking for the last forty-eight hours. So, right. so where where Ryan and I sit right now is like that is the core data on this year's election. Is like yeah, at what point? At what point is the da- at what point is the line check taking place? But Ryan actually um, brought brought to me a, a really interesting fact, which is there's actually a page on the internet um, of of like sound guys talking about uh debate audio teching so ryan before i get deep into my um common review i just wanted to throw to you on that because i think it's quite important in the context of someone like common who regularly appears at the white house and and what your guys who you've researched would sort of say (laughs) to um to a common gig well uh yeah, this started as a joke about, well, <laughs> Biden must be doing a line check by, by now. He must be ready to say something. And uh, that, I, I just started Googling around. So, you know, sometimes you can just ask Google a question and it gives you the answer. It's, it's pretty clever like that. So I just typed in, who did sound for the presidential debate? And there was an article about this guy, Lance, from Portland, <laughs> and he's just a front-of-house engineer, and he mixed the presidential debate and there was a like a photo of him wearing a mask in front of his desk and um that led me to a facebook post about the same thing and there were a bunch of sound guys talking about presidential things they've mixed in the past and what microphones they used and oh wow that's and do they have to be bipartisan like these guys who do the mix or because like i actually funny that we go down this rabbit hole because i was actually thinking that trump did sound better in the debate than Biden did, and Biden the the, the, the mid range frequencies. <laughs> oh. I, I think it counts. It's a thing because no, it is. It was, is. A, it is. His mic technique was way better than Biden's. Than and uh, I just thought he, the nasaliness of Biden just wasn't projecting as well as Trump's Maybe coming it's just through. And down I thought, to the, is that a miking thing or might be the microphone choice? Like you know. A, I don't know what they were pointing at him, but it just might have suited Trump's voice better, you know? It's, it did. On the other hand, I was talking to someone else about this. Can you imagine doing sound for Donald Trump and having his people standing around you with clipboards and, like, trying to micromanage <laughs> the mixing is like, make it more presidential or, or something? Like, yeah, it must yeah. be a nightmare. Dial in the presidential plug, you dickhead. Yeah, no, I want the presidential frequency. Come on. <sighs> dial it up. Um, well, you would have thought, so does it, would they get a sound guy in to just test a bunch of mics on each president to like work out what the best mic is for them? <laughs> like, well, you know, I've been, I've been keeping an eye on the mics that Trump's been using and they're like, I think they're kind of like shitty AKG types because he's usually got two there and they're, um, they're typically, they're condensers and they're overheads and, um, and yep. I've used them at cheap studios and... I've always been kind of like a little bit surprised. I'd love to see a presidential candidate come out with a U, like a you know U forty seven, and just yeah. go. Uh, I know. I reckon uh, Biden's more of a, a fifty five. I don't think anyone Elvis, wants to Elvis style. I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to use a Neumann anymore. That only reminds people of one like past 
leader of a country. I don't know. Is anyway. that right? Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. oh, okay, legit, legit, you know, legit, yeah. legit, legit. I'm feeling uh, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, like, got, yeah. I mean, maybe oh, Geffel. I mean, you could just put up. You could just put up a, a picture of Sinatra, you know, singing into one. Maybe that would just go know. see. Yeah, see? right. Maybe uh, maybe Geffel, <laughs> like a Geffel kind of like post-war Stasi kind of. Um, I think go. Neumann moved their operation to East Germany after the war, and I think that would probably work. No, like yeah, nice. I, I don't know if you t- if you listened to last week's episode, but Arik really established his like you know East German credentials on last <laughs> week's show with his his links to all uh, things Stasi <laughs> and. And telefunk and bunkers and anyway, well, Mercedes. Anyway, we've 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 digressed off onto a uh, a weird pl- into a weird place here. Eric, do you want to give your actual review as opposed to your pre-review? Just Thanks, one more Wilson. point. Like maybe maybe the mic choice is um more about what it says. Like you know if you know if I if I see a guy doing a debate with an SM57, that's kind of a nod to the working class. Like that's an everyman microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is, I mean, uh, is Shaw an American company? I don't know. It feels like <laughs> that, doesn't it? You'd, you'd, you'd think so. You'd think so. Or like a Soviet era. I'd be down with some Soviet era microphones at presidential if debates. I think, if I think of American microphone, I want. So, I'd think big and chunky like our ones, Eric. You know, the SM7B. Yeah. This like seems like an American mic. Uh, um, Ryan seems it's a bit more nuanced as opposed to American. <laughs> Yeah, um, I just looked it up. Sure, a base in America. That's good enough for me. There we go. Okay, great. There it is. Okay, <laughs> so moving on to my review out. of the Common Record. Look, I loved it. I um, it's definitely it, it's going into the bag for me in relation to 2020 releases. I and again, like it, it was one of those releases where like I just hoped it was going to be good as well. So I need to kind of um like put that as a little sort of disclaimer that I, I was coming at it going, oh my God, common record, Robert Glasper's on it. It's going to be amazing. So, you know, those are really important facts. Like, like, do I, is there a song that I can repeat back to you? The answer is an overwhelming no. I, mm. I can't, I can't give you something back in the same way that I might be able to with like a Gordy or a Budos in particular. Um, but, I just loved it. Uh, there were some really big highlights for me. I loved the Black Thought uh, track. That was really, really solid. Um, I'm just trying to remember what was that. What that was called. Do any of you guys have that handy? Uh, I did. Yeah, I've got Black it here. Thought. Say it's, peace. That was track three. Say say peace. I just thought that was just solid, and I was just like, just just get get around it, and um, and then a right in my mind featuring Lenny Kravitz. It, it, it threw up a lot of questions for me. So it started with this like amazing little jazz impro, which my first question was, was that Lenny Kravitz playing? And then I oh, was Ryan's like... Ryan's already talked about it. If, was, you had, if, you, if you want to rewind shocking, back yeah. about five minutes, yeah, Ryan just did a whole big thing on it. Okay, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> apologies, Ryan. Oh, this You're reminds me of, asshole. I think, last week with Kylie, like, why yeah, yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. really copped it for not listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that would be two points now to Eric. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I love I loved that intro, and then Lenny obviously lands with, like, this kind of Lenny vibe, and, and again, he just kind of, for me, he just got this, like, pass 
from from for me i was like it's not the best mm. hook but it's lenny kravitz and that's amazing because lenny kravitz is like at the first level lenny kravitz at the same first level zoe kravitz's father sorry yeah so, yeah, yeah zoe kravitz's father and and then um and lenny kravitz is lenny kravitz and and it got me thinking someone asked me this morning what's lenny kravitz done in the last few years and i was like i've got no idea but my my he's an architect man like hmm. is he's he? a very famous architect come on what but, but, really yeah wow how does he, he have designs- time he is a very oh no it might be a furniture designer i think it's furniture designer. it's either furniture designer or architect and he designs pieces for um uh, hotels boutique hotels around the world so wow. i would um he is also the man if you listen to Questlove's interview with him which is fantastic it's a really good listen he also tells uh when uh Questlove sent him d'angelo's voodoo album to listen to while it was in uh um, before mix, he said something's wrong with the timing. It's all out. You need yes. to get that fixed. <laughs> it's, I, I like it, but but something you need to fix, make, fix up the mistakes with the with the drums. Anyway, well, the, he, I mean, the he, thing that the, the thing that it, it brought funny, it funny. brought the thing that like the question of what is Lenny Kravitz doing these days was a really cool question, and it made me kind of wonder. Like, and I, I mean, this is based on nothing but like my own gut feeling. Is Lenny Kravitz would be the kind of guy that would be on a on a songwriting session once every couple of weeks, just writing with other people, making sick music. Like, and then there's the Lenny Kravitz project, and then there's Lenny Kravitz the musician. Um, because I mean, the guy has just sort of like like he's never done something that's just been so deeply panned that there's no way back. Like Lenny Kravitz is still like a mega pop star but also he just he just holds a really interesting space so when 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 i heard that song like the jazz guitar kicked off the drum break happened and i was like this is amazing and lenny kravitz is on it and then the hook happened and it was just kind of a bit whatever for for me but it was lenny kravitz and i was just into it straight away so that was a real that was a real highlight for me again not necessarily because it was brilliant but just cuz it was Lenny Kravitz and it was and a vibe. I, and I wanted, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. And then, um, and then there was the, the track, uh, what was the one with the Stevie bit? What was that one called? Uh, courageous. A place courageous, in this world. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Courageous. Just like, thank you very much. Um, you know, here I am. I'm at the democratic convention. Stevie's been wheeled out for a for a stevie moment commons there glasper's there it's all happening and um you know bullshit aside like it was a cool song and and i'm just i just i just love this record so um that's my review cool let's rate it all right what did you think give us give us a, give uh, us a number i'm gonna i'm the, gonna go i'm gonna go cavity. i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna go, i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it eight eight journals in the wheel cavity of the donut spare tire Okay, I'm going to go next. It's um, I think in a year's time, I'm not going to like this album as much as I like it right now. I think it's uh, it's an album for for now, and and it was written as such. I think because he started, as he said, he started in August, and obviously he's written, he's feeling the same things, and we're in a strange time. I I really really liked it a lot, um, and it was more vibe than substance, but that's okay so um the wheel cavity is full up it's like almost having a proper tire in there 
Um, I'm giving it a nine. Yeah. Wow, Fuck yeah. it's huge. Great. Yeah, I yeah. was I, I was kind of moving towards nine, um, but I was just a bit conscious that I tend to score things a bit too high. So you do with your <laughs> with your review was I'm also going to move to a nine. Wow. Um, I think I don't know. My, my favorite, my favorite era of Common is 2005. He did an album called B, which was produced by uh, a little-known singer-songwriter. He's he's a bit of a quiet achiever. You probably when he when he when he does something, you don't hear about him much. You His don't hear about West. <laughs> like he doesn't really talk yeah. up his own achievements, so you probably don't even know that he did that album. But um, uh, that was like a really concise, like 32 minutes, like every track is amazing it kind of had a long meandering outro but i didn't care because by that point they really had me and every song's memorable and i guess i was uh comparing this to that and uh one of you guys said you can't remember how any of the songs went and mm. i think that's kind of telling like i i don't know i just feel like common could given the people in the room and how you know talented he's he could have done better than this but on the other hand it's 2020 it's hard to do anything so i think uh you know they probably all had sorry can you pass him for for that oh yeah yeah i think he gets like, like special consideration so i okay i don't know I'm, I'm giving this about a seven i think it's pretty high i was actually expecting a lot less than that yeah, me too, um, but I, I guess I didn't really want to think of a number until I'd heard what you guys said and it kind of uh, <laughs> gave me some, I don't know, some things I might not have uh, noticed. Again, like, yeah, I, I, I will use that special criteria for this album. And so, yeah, just, it, it seemed to, it was very calming, this album. Is that, did, did you get that, Eric? Like, everything about it was I, calming. I it was sort of like saying, it's like going to be okay, everything's going to be okay. And I got that vibe through the whole, from start I to did, finish. I did, I did. Look, I think Ryan, you've you've raised a really good point, and it and I think it's also really important just to kind of like clock the fact that I think both was and I have a kind of predisposition to like the certain types of music we're into, mm. um, and uh, like when this came on the list, like like half the judgment had already been cast for me. I was like, it's common, it's election year man it's gonna like, be good yeah like it's right. it, like 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 just by him showing up is a pass and um and i think it's gonna be one of those those things that like it'll be really interesting from a, like a personal point of view that like if i revisit this in three months yeah. am i gonna feel that this is really like a profound album that kind of is like part of a playlist and you know let's wait and see but but for yeah. today um yeah brilliant I agree, and we'd also both seen that White House um, tiny disc, which you obviously haven't seen, Ryan. But no. um, it's with Bilal, and it's it is so amazingly powerful. And I think you and I, Eric, were both waiting for an album that sort of followed on from that, and that's what this album has yep. done to an extent, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that really, yeah, that really helped. Um, okay, yep. so we've got a a seven, a nine, and a nine for commons new album which is called a beautiful revolution part one i think uh stevie wonder appearing on harmonica might have given it an extra two points from me actually like that's right i don't know about you guys that's but when the... that started i just kind of went yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah that's uh that that's the what's that called what's the what that's the what are the ballots that come in from overseas 
Oh, the, what are they called? What, the provisional. Provisional? That's a provisional balance right there. <laughs> it was sort of like um, Commons gone around to his house and got the iPhone out. It's for, It had that kind of, uh, Stevie, can you play take your harmonica out and just play mm. and he goes oh fuck it I'll do it and then just did it and that was it I'll get one go at this that felt so natural and he only so needs one go though and he's he kind of he's fighting around at the end when the end of the solo and yeah he's so awesome uh, they probably but, said it's going to be a fade think, out just keep playing <laughs> look and you know I, I think it is worth noting that like um, you know music is like like music is like cool music written by cool people and then there's the, the X factor, which is like Stevie playing harmonica. And like, uh, like I'd be hard pressed to find any feature track that has Stevie playing harmonica that doesn't make anyone in the room go, well, it's Stevie Wonder playing harmonica, so let's just bump it up. Mm. Yeah, I thought I was going to have know? to put the X Files music on. I thought you were about to go really deep there, Eric. But oh, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> but, but it's just it, like, like it, it, it really is. It, it's a sound that feels like home for pretty much yeah. anyone born before 1990. Yeah. Anyone, right. <laughs> anyone who's a member of Generation <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Lisa Bonet? I mean, who is that? <laughs> who is she? <laughs> All right, so that was Commons Record. Thank you very much. We're going to move right along. So the third album we have for you is the New release from the Bulldogs band, Along in the Tooth. Arik, give it to me. Thanks, Woz. So the Bulldogs band is an American instrumental band from Staten Island, New York, formed in 2005, described as a doom rock Afro soul big band with a 70s touch that joins musical universes from trippy psychedelia and Afro funk to 70s hard rock and late 60s soul. I'm just going to pause there and go absolutely accurate. Um... They've described themselves as a 70s psych instrumental music band with a bit of Ethiopia music. I'm going to stay with that description. I think that's absolutely on point. Uh, part of the Daptone Records stable. Um, the Budos band originated at a jam session hosted by the New York-based band Antibalas, uh, which I believe is uh, L. Michaels's, one of L. Michaels' project was. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yep. So some of the participants decided to form the new band, which has consisted of an occasionally floating lineup featuring David Guy and Andrew Green, Kashemia Gaslem, Jared Tankel, Dame Rodriguez, Vincent Bastrino, Tom Brannick, Robert Lombardo, Mike Della, Daniel Fader, Brian Profilio, and John Carbonella Jr. The self-titled debut was released in 2005 and featured guest appearances by Bosco Mann, and Neil Sugarman. Um, the Budos have been around... I mean, I'm actually just going to shoot from the hip here. I'm not even going to read off the Wikipedia. Uh, Budos have been around for ages. They've done... I think this is their sixth release. And there was Budos 1, Budos 2, Budos 3. Um, you know, basically... I mean, you know, there was, a, there was a time where they were called Afrobeat, but I would probably say they're not Afrobeat. It's something else. Um, 
and they're just badasses. It's Staten Island, and it's the Budos, and I love the Budos. Um, the members, uh, there was a little bit of a short hiatus, from what I understand, after Sharon Jones passed away, but the, the group reconvened in 2019 to write and record their fifth studio album, Budos Band 5. The album was further noted by critics for its diverse influences, being described by Kerrang as cinematic yet menacing, the soundtrack to a bad drug trip in the desert of a black exploitation film. The album that we are reviewing today is not actually Budos 5, it's the most recent record, which is called... Long in the Tooth. Long in the Tooth. Um... Was I might throw to you and then uh, and then we'll get down to some Budos anecdotes. Off to you, was. Yeah, sure. I don't know if there's been any black exploitation films set in a desert. Can you think of any? I'm not sure yeah. if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, might be another point. Wikipedia fallacy. Like, I think. Like I said before, reviews are weird. They don't have to make sense. They don't. Yeah, sounds good. As long as it does sound good. Yeah, it does sound good. It's it's a it's a it's a desert slash uh, Halloween black exploitation style film. Um, look, Arik. It's here, man. It's finally here. If if the primary focus of this whole podcast was for me to promote the new Carly Oldest album, then surely the secondary goal was for you to be able to review your favourite band in the world. And, you know, to wax lyrical about your, your hero, Tommy Brunick. You know, sloppy on purpose guitar stylings and tones. So, look, it's here. So it must be a big day for you. So, I'm, look, I'm really happy for it you. Is, it is. A, it is. Thanks, Was. Thank you. Well, listening to the first song, I actually thought that maybe that recruited you to lay down some of your best Tommy offensive guitar stylings. Um, I mean, you know, I mean that that very tongue in cheek, of course, but like that sound is totally your bag, isn't it? That that's you, you know. It is. Uh, it is everything. Um, yes, continue. Okay. Well, to be honest, I'm gonna be honest here. Like when I listen to this, and I I feel like I have to compare things to the Krungman album now because yep. I what I loved about that Krungman album that we reviewed back in was it episode one it might have even been episode one or two like they've taken this scene and the sound and they've taken it somewhere they've they've moved the marker they've moved it forward and when I listen to this Budos album I just feel that it's a bit well it's Budos doing Budos sort of songs and it's um it's the same songs, but maybe not as good as what they did previously. So please don't get me wrong. I'm like I'm not I'm not fully down on it, but like it just sounds very same same. So look, I'm gonna go to the positives first. The positives are that it sounds really really good, like really good. I think I think maybe the, maybe this is the best sounding Bulldoze album that I've heard. It, everything's in its right place, and look, look I. I haven't done a deep dive. I'm sure Ryan has. He's probably gone back and looked at the whole Daptone back catalogue. So I'll let him speak more on the comparisons of like sonic frequencies across Budos previous releases. But I think I, I need to go to a couple of negatives. Um, th- this sort of you know inhabiting this the minor side of the of the scale equilibrium and you know that 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 sort of permeated throughout the whole album. And apart from the track Gum Metal Grey, which sort of flirted with some major elements, it was deeply mining the minor the minor world. And to be honest, I was I think I needed some more variation. Um 
Look, I'm being a little bit flippant, but you could almost say that they wrote the same song seven or eight times. <laughs> I felt um, each each slightly different, but maybe they just wanted to see which one was best, but then they submitted the album for pressing and they forgot they just put in the same, the, the demo tracks. I don't know. Like it just, it was very same samey. Um, look, there were some great grooves. I love the drum and percussion interplay. Um, you know, there's a really solid foundation going on. The rhythm section is dynamite. But was this, was this album reaching me on any deep level? No. Um, and I don't think I'm going to listen to it again. Um, what I did do was I pulled out my vinyl of their debut album, um, you know, Burroughs 1, and I'm like, wow, that's that's really good. And that it had a like a loose energy and... That's what made me think. That's what's missing from this. This felt there was there was a danger in their first couple of albums. It was dangerous, and yep. it felt loose, and you know you you don't know what could happen. There was variation in the Afrobeat sort of fusion with that sort of cinematic um, Tarantino orchestration. It was there, but mm. it was missing from this one. Um, and if you're going to make ominous kind of music, you can't keep it safe. You've got to keep it dangerous, and I and I think they missed it on this one so Arik I'm sorry but um, that's where I went with this so I, I think I'll throw it to you to to be the uh, the the compliment sandwich you can be the compliment in the middle is what I'm feeling thanks Woz um, so look to be honest I kind of echo a lot of what you've said um, my I, I've got a personal uh, like my own life has been linked to Budos Band in so much as everything that I do in music. Um, uh, there's an, I'll share an anecdote with you. I was a huge, huge fan of um, Sean Jones and the Dap Kings from about 2001. Um, I, I read the Gay Broth uh, Shitty is Pretty article. And then my Still old really band... Good. Great, really great, article, great, great article, great article, and um, and then my old band actually, we we grabbed that uh, manual, and we we gave it to a live sound engineer named John Hall, which who Ryan I've spoken to you about in the past, and we we did a session at uh, Revolver Rehearsal Studios, um, where we basically just locked into the shitties pretty, uh, instruction manual, and um. And and recorded an EP and then we mixed it on tape, um, and that and then basically as a such a big fan of everything that Daptone Records was doing, I sent it to Neil Sugarman and and Bosco Man, in uh, in Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn, New York, and they said, hey, look, we love it. Anytime, anytime you're in New York, you should come through the studio, and um, and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm not even gonna respond. I'm to just that booking email. a ticket now. I, I'm just I'm booking, booking a ticket and I'm going to hustle booking. the fuck out of these guys. Correct. Correct. So uh, it was like, it was actually 18 months later. I, I showed up in New York unannounced to Daptone Records and knocked on the door and I was like, hey guys, just responding to your email. <laughs> um, <laughs> just responding to your email. Uh, here I am. And um, and Neil Sugarman greeted me at the door and was like, "Who the fuck are you?" I was like, "Hey, like a year and a half ago, we had this email thing, and you said you can visit any time. So I'm in, I'm here now." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm and, so glad uh, someone was there that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, like, actually, to be completely fair, I researched the tour schedule of the Dap Kings, 
and oh, I was like nice. their off their off tour. And uh, <laughs> and I and I built it around that. It was deep, right? It was deep. Yeah. So anyways, let me point in, motherfucker. Being, I let like I'm coming in. <laughs> Get out of my way. And uh, and I and I walked in and Gabe Roth was there with uh, DJ Vadim, who's a pretty well known mm. DJ. And another Brooklyn DJ whose name I don't remember. That seems like a really weird pairing, Vadim and weird, Gabriel. right? Weird. Yeah. And, and, what were they doing? And yeah. I, I don't know what was going on, but I sat in the room as Gabe Roth was basically something illegal. I would say. <laughs> yeah, Gabe Roth was basically playing Budos Two off the tape in Daptone, and I got to I got to listen to it, and from then on. I've just been a Budos uh, disciple, and 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 from that experience, I was like, hey, you know, hey, Gabe, like, you know, I'm so obsessed. Like, I'd love to know what rig Tommy Brennick uses because I'm obsessed. And he and he just told it to me, and he's like, bro, you can get this for like 500 bucks anywhere. Like, it's a cheap guitar. And uh, I went, I, uh, I I ended up leaving the studio, and I bought the rig. I actually bought the Silvertone. And um, and ever since, like that sort of Tom Brannock type guitar playing and tone, more more to the point, has been something that like has completely informed my own music, and um, and I just fucking love Budos. So with all of that history aside, I fully that's agree with you. That's his pre-review, people, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's my pre That's my pre-review. And now we're moving into the main um, review. The main review, here we go. I reckon this was definitely, I mean, it kills me to say, but it was the weakest Budos record that I've heard so so far. It felt like Budos covering Budos band um, without without a kind of pivot, like without an, uh, an experimentation, which they're so well known for. And even the experimental parts of this record seemed really kind of shallow. Um and I'll get to that in my track to track review. Um, the Wrangler was one of the standouts for me. It felt like a martial arts film shot in the Wild West, and I, I felt that was like a vintage Budos kind of tip. Would that be like, like a black exploitation film shot in the desert? <laughs> potentially, but but the, but the issue that I have with this kind of characterization of like a vintage Budos sound is if only if if the only sound that a band does is a vintage them sound, then I think we have an issue here. Like I I I I like the idea of bands kind of flexing in different spaces, and for me, they've done that in the past, and they didn't do that didn't do that on this record. Um, Garden Metal Grey. I, I made a note saying Tom Brennick's guitar tone is just all time. And, you know, they were doing the Budos thing where the guitar and the bass are doing that fifths kind of interval. Yeah. Is that, that the one that had that? Yeah, that's definitely the best song That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And it's just, it's like with something different. That's good. I can remember how something went. That's, that's, that's a good sign. But that's a thing. means it's going to be above a seven, isn't it? But 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 I think the thing is that like you know that's like that's like a, a, a nice safety blanket for Budos band fans. But is it gonna like do something for the Budos band? Maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, just moving right along with the with the review, Mierda de Toro again. The guitar tones, just to me, Brennick is the master 
that no one gets a, a guitar sound in the way he does. It's his sound and he owns it. And I, I just, I love, I love his playing. Um, FYI, there is a, uh, I mean, like I, I know his rig <laughs> and he used this piece of gear on that record. And there's this, there's this particular model of wire pedal called the, it's the Bose V-Wire. And it's this combo between a wire and a fuzz pedal and it's like super 80s and, and it shows up a lot on on Budos stuff and uh and it's it's in full force on that track um renegade i also liked i love the far face of sound it just felt like a bit of a throwback to the old Budos stuff um again tom brannick slaying with a v-wire was just you know highlight for me and they threw this like nice tape reverse delay shit in there that had like kind of reminiscent of a Doors thing. But again, it just felt like they were referencing themselves as opposed to doing anything that like felt new and fresh. Um, yeah, I mean, the big question for me with Budos in general as they continue to make music is like they're making this West Coast desert vibe from Staten Island and it's like, 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 are these guys the authorities on West Coast psychedelia? And if so, how does that play? Like, being so deeply East Coast, they do this West Coast psychedelia thing. So I might throw to you, Ryan, just to kind of perhaps sort of, you know, if you want to go there, talk about this kind of East Coast does West Coast vibe, if that's your vibe. Uh, and and more to the point, the Budos review. Yeah, um, that's a good point about them being from Staten Island and sounding like they're from the desert. I, I mean, I, I think Staten Island's the only borough I, I never visited over there. Maybe there's a desert in the middle of it that I don't know about, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I guess they have that in common with Wu-Tang Clan, like... Yeah, I guess they they sound like stuff that Wu Tang Clan would sample. Maybe that's their their common thread with Staten Island. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, they, these days, anyone can sound like anything and be from anywhere. I don't think uh, I pay that. That's yeah. a, that's I don't a think fair it matters point. that much. But um, yeah, I've I've um prior to this album, I'd never listened to Budos Band before. I I knew they were part of the Daptone expanded universe but that that was all uh that was all i really knew about them but um so th- this is the first album i've heard of theirs and i was i was listening to it and i had a sil- similar problem to you was like I, every song i just thought this is the same as the last one like and i i did some stats they're all in minor keys most of them are in yes. what i would call guitar keys like e minor a minor that kind of thing so if if you know if it had been written by horn players, you would everything would be in B flat minor or F minor or that kind of thing. But it's definitely all guitar key minor. Everything except one song was at the same tempo. Like it's so samey yep. that more yep. than once listening to this album, I thought I've heard this one already. Did did yeah. the album start over from the start again? Like it's. Uh, I feel like I only need to listen to one minute of this album to hear the whole thing, and that's uh, that yep. doesn't bode yep. well for it you know, having, I guess, a, a variety of stuff on there. Um, I don't know, but I, having not really heard their other albums, I didn't know if this is what they always do, but I, I dropped the cursor on a few other albums of theirs today and no, they, they vary a lot. There's, you know, they there's definitely a lot of different things going on on all of their other albums. This one is just particularly samey, I thought, but uh, 
I did think it sounded amazing. Like um, there's a particular kind of terrible sounding that they're going for and they definitely hit it. But uh, hmm. I, I agree with you, Eric. They, they seem to be kind of living in their own past. Like they've kind of sounded like they're from 1972 for 15 years. Like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like if they did, it's kind of weird. If they'd moved like linearly with time as they'd gone along, they'd be up to 1987 by now. Imagine what that would sound like. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Band, 1987. Well, I think that Daptone has actually done that too, Eric. Daptone really went from that sort of funk and kept going backwards to really refine the sound. And at some times I actually thought, and I, I love what everything that Daptone have done, but sometimes it felt like it was more about the sound than the songs um, was where I got to with Daptone. I think that's a really good point. And I, I will get back to your review, Ryan, but one of the things that... Um, like I think Budos is a bit of an outlier on the Adaptone label as I have this kind of fuck you kind of like identity, which is like what we do is psych rock meets 70s psych afro and, 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 and they've almost been limited by that sort of fuck you aesthetic. Like from, from a point of like selling, like from a point of selling records, I'm 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 completely in agreement with both of you. Like, is this gonna actually do a thing? Probably not. But is it gonna like just sort of appeal to the base? Yes, it appeals to the Budos base, and and like it like it's just it's just the Budos doing Budos. Um, so that that would that would just be my comment to that. So you say they're not going to grow their base, Eric? Well, I don't <laughs> so. think so. I don't think so. I think. I think it's just the Budos doing Budos and and like just looking at the guys in the group, there's a few, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm basing this just as a fan, but there's a few guys that are like across multiple projects and then there's the Budos family and f from what I can see, it's just a bunch of guys that just sort of love this sort of music and just want to keep on doing it. So, mm. so, yeah. so the concept of like evolving, I don't think is ever going to be welcomed to a band like the Budos bands but at the same time like looking at it objectively as a record I completely agree with you both of you it's sort of like it's the same song yeah, yeah. And at, this, at this stage we'll, we'll throw back to Ryan Munro with his continuation of his in-depth key signature analysis of um, the Budos band the <laughs> uh, a few of the tracks have that kind of Phrygian flavour which I guess says the desert to people but um <laughs> yeah you know you know what i mean like yeah um a, a few of them had that but yeah they were all minor keys all about the same tempo except for gunmetal gray which i think was also a highlight for me that riff with the minor thirds going do ding do ding 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 did it was um kind of like a deep funk last goodbye i don't know if anyone else was getting that like oh wow the riff that's, at the start of that it's made of minor thirds well, moving around anyway. So just so um, you know, Ryan, wow. like uh, on, on each Brudos record, what they do is they take a major, they take a major song um, and then flip it to minor. So on their first record, they did Simple Song by Sly and the Family Stone. Really? On their second, yeah, yeah, yeah. On their second record, they did um, My Girl in minor, pentatonic. Oh. And, then the, and then they did Day Tripper in minor. So Yuck. your your feel on that, 
your feel on that i mean other because when i was listening to the record i was like where's the what's the hit that they're recreating in minor keys so i think you've nailed it because they didn't list it but if you're th- if you're feeling that i would say a hundred percent that's exactly what's going on there they've they've flipped a a major wow. hit into a minor key yeah that's like something that people started doing on youtube in the last few years you know that like major nothing else matters and like you know that kind of thing where they i don't know how they do it but just change the tonality of songs and give people nightmares but um <laughs> like can i also point out that um is making a jeff buckley reference the same as making lenny kravitz slash zoe kravitz reference i mean what's just the go there was just do know? it just do it What's the modern equivalent for Jeff Buckley for the for the people now? Ooh, I don't know. John Mayer. Oh God! Ooh. No, I don't. I think know. So. I know. Did I just did I just fire myself from this podcast? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's got to be someone who died, I guess. Like, what's this generation's Jeff Buckley? You know, someone must have mm. died. I mean, there was more. Jeff Jeff Buckley did much more than pass away you know he was amazing but uh i don't know i mean i would say i saw jeff buckley at prince pat's i mean that i mean they're Whoa. all dead now they're all dead yeah all gone anyway keep going sorry sorry how do we get onto this um my other standout track was the last one because again it just did something slightly different and i really needed that by the time i got to the end of this album and um the the last track the drums stopped at for a while and that was is kind that of renegade? a relief yeah renegade that, after yeah, yeah, yeah. you know 32 minutes of pretty much the same thing the drums dropped out and i thought wow and then weird stuff happened like uh it actually got weird like the the tape slowed down and there was all this feeding yeah. back like space echo and and maybe there was some backward backward drums at one point it actually did something psychedelic and for a band who is described by someone on Wikipedia as being psychedelic, it was good to actually have something like that happen. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a highlight for me. But, uh, yeah. So as we flip over to the um, uh, donut tire cavity wheel rating scale, I might start with myself and then uh, I'll go to you, Was. I think again, you know, we've we've spoken about this a lot on this pod, which is basically like like there's a review and there's then there's the expectation you come to the point to review. So I'm I'm just gonna go from the point of what I would have expected. I would have expected more on this Budos record. Um and it, it sits at a it sits at a pretty mediocre five uh journals out of a potential ten journals in the uh donut wheel cavity for me what about you was um okay well you can fit in two donut tires and two journals or you could fit in one donut tire oh no that doesn't work no you can fit in they only fit one no. tire yeah no that, that that's that's gone that's gone pear shape um i'm gonna give it um there's there's four journals in in the uh so how does it work? Is it is the donut tire in there, and then the journals on the top donut, of that? The donut the donut tire is always in there. It's always in there, right? Okay. So you could actually put two donut tires in there if you if you had. had actually, I can't do the maths. It's it's too much. Well, four journals. What kind of car you drove. Four journals. That's where we're going. Mm. Ryan. 
Me too. It's about a four for me. They, having never listened to them before, this was kind of a good introduction and they do a one kind of specific thing. I think they do it really well, but this just didn't give you much of it, you know? I'm not yeah. sure how much of that is due to it being 2020 and uh, maybe they were all in different rooms with masks on. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, yeah, just it, it was very samey. Yeah. Look, yeah. I mean, for all those yeah. listeners yeah. who like Ryan out there who haven't listened to the Beatles band before, go back and listen to albums one or two and not to say that yeah. we want to live in a heritage world past, but like there's some really great stuff on those albums and they, they feel fresh and they still feel fresh. So um, there's a lot to like with Budos, just not with this album, unfortunately. So that's uh, two fours and a five for the Budos band's new album, and it is titled Long in the Tooth. After hours, Abel Mackinnon Tesfaye, born February 16, 1990, known professionally as The Weekend. Now, guys, I didn't even know. I thought this was a band. That's how much I know about anything. I didn't know it was one guy. Um, he's a Canadian singer, songwriter, actor, and record producer. He began his recording career in 2010, anon anonymously uploading several songs to YouTube. A year later, The Weeknd released the mixtapes House of Balloons, Thursday and Echoes of Silence and quickly earned a following and critical recognition from several mainstream publications due to his dark style of R&B and the mystique surrounding his identity. In 2012, The Weeknd signed with Republic Records and re-released the mixtapes as part of the compilation album Trilogy. His debut studio album Kissland was released in 2013. He followed the album with Beauty Behind the Madness, which was among the best-selling albums of 2015, containing Billboard's the Billboard Hot 100 number one single, Can't Feel My Face and The Hills. Beauty Behind the Madness won Best Urban Contemporary Album and was nominated for Album of the Year at the 2016 Grammy Awards. The weekend's third album, Starboy, was a similar commercial success and included the number one single of the same name. While it also won Best, Con uh, Best Urban Contemporary Album at the 2018 Grammy Awards. The Weeknd has won three Grammy Awards, two American Music Awards, nine Billboard Music Awards, two MTV Video Music Awards, nine Juno Awards, and has been nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, he holds several chart records, being the first artist to simultaneously hold the top three positions on the Billboard Hot R&B Songs charts with Can't Feel My Face, Earned It, and The Hills. The Weeknd was awarded the Alan Slate Award by Canada's Walk of Fame. That's a big one. That's a, that's a big one. For making a positive impact in the field of music 
film, literature, visual or performing arts, sports, innovation or philanthropy. He's one of the most successful Canadian recording artists of all time. Not much competition, I would have thought. With more than oh, come 75... On. <laughs> <joking>. Brian Adams, <laughs> Celine Dion. What else he got? Yeah, yeah that's Arcade lot, Fire. Come on, what's up? What? So, okay. <laughs> Who? Arcade Fire. So that's four. You're right, sorry. With no, more better. than 75 million... <laughs> sorry. With more than 75 million records sold globally, <laughs> his fourth album, After Hours, featured the number one singles, Heartless and Blinding Lights. Ryan, what did you want to say? Sorry. Look, if we're talking about top-selling Canadian artists, I don't think Arcade Fire really need to get a mention. Like they're they're no Brian Adams. True. No. What about Michael? What about Michael Bublé? Yeah, I would have thought waking he's waking Canadian, up the neighbours waking up the neighbours would have sold more than Arcade Fire's total um, yeah. back catalogue. I would have thought. Yeah. Is Ryan Adams Canadian? I, I get that impression as well for some reason. I think anyone. I think he is. Yeah, the Adams. The Adamses, <laughs> the Adams family, <laughs> the Adams family. <laughs> anyway, if nothing else, I think what this podcast has driven home for me, particularly, is that I haven't really listened to what you would consider to be popular music over the last decade. Um, like my experiences with the weekend were limited to two tracks. Like I can't feel my face, which is a banger, and what's then the collaboration between um, the weekend and Daft Punk? Uh, I feel it coming. Remember yeah, that song? Yeah. Great song. That's great. Yeah. Um, um, which were both obviously 80s reference bangers. Um, and so, like, I think my expectations were high um, when I dropped the needle on this one. Um, so, it came out of the gates quite unexpectedly for me. And I'll refer back to last week's episode, Arik. When I say the first track had more than a passing resemblance to a certain female-fronted neo-gothic band starting with E that we referenced last week. <laughs> could, could The weekend actually be referencing Wake me up inside. inside. <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do we reckon on these first three tracks, are we getting that at all? Or no. Is it just me? Right, oh, okay. I can Go feel, back and I listen with that. that in mind. Yeah, maybe yeah. they contributed on, to this album in some way. Like, look, like, like Ryan, do you want to do a deep dive on this while I continue my review? If that's okay, um, you know, is there any sort of any truth to the fact? Anyway, so obviously, track one wasn't an in point for me, and I went searching for the in point on this album, and it was difficult, if I'm being honest. So the treasure hunt was a lot of false starts and dead ends until we got about halfway through the album, and it wasn't like he just decided to walk off the map, but like he totally ripped it up, threw it in a bin, and then drew like a whole new map. I mean, what the fuck happened after track eight? Like, mm. yeah, man. Obviously, that first eight tracks were pitched at the you know the modern TikTok market, and like I'll refer everyone to the All Music Is Good podcast, patented TikTok generational manifesto. You know, i.e., all modern pop music is fucked from previous episodes and like if you just want me to recap it like without getting angry i'll just say you know it basically encapsulates modern production aesthetics 32 notes trap hats dumbed down vocal hooks and you know auto tuning used as a source of pride um pretty much everything i hate um so we got to faith which in hindsight probably hinted at the change 
And then we got Blindside, which I think has gone number one, but it's like full 80s Euro pop. And it basically is Aha's take on Me yes. Groove. Good. I'm glad and someone then, else thought so. It's Aha. And then it was weird. It was like, what? what is this? It's crazy. They've just basically taken Aha's take on me and made a song on it, on the on the groove. And then track, I think track 10 comes in and then it's like, I've, it's got the I Can Feel My Face, like hip shaking groove. Mm-hmm. And it was complete with like obligatory sax solo and Whoa. like the transformation was complete. And I'll say it again, like what the fuck was going on? Like, is this what albums are now? Like, did anyone see this coming? Like, did you see this coming? Like two albums in one? Um, so I'm going to have to rate this album in two sections because <laughs> I don't, I'm not actually sure what to make of this album. Like, did I like the first half of the album? No, I hated it. Did I like the second half? Yeah, I liked it better, but was it like good better? Like was it if I was just going to rate that bit, would I've really liked it as a as a set piece of, you know, songs? Um I'm I'm really confused. So I'm going to throw it to someone to to help um clear this up. I might yeah. take it. Look. Ryan, you go ahead. Okay, yeah, I'm I'll I'll go ahead. I've I've never listened to a whole album of the weekends before, and I I I heard that song, um, "Blinding Lights," which uh, is huge. Like I think it's the biggest single of the year or something, and it came out this year. And I've already heard it in two supermarkets. If that doesn't say accessible, I don't know what else does. Like it usually takes about five years for that shit to happen. But um, what's anyway, a song that, that sounds like another song? <laughs> that that song is massive and it does sound exactly like take on me that i i agree with you there um now the reason i wanted to check this out is because the first song of his that i really noticed was i can't feel my face and when i heard that i thought this is like hugely popular mainstream stuff but i like it you know every few years that but happens. i like it but I like, but exactly, I like yeah. it. <laughs> hey, you know how it goes. Um, <laughs> but no, it, occasionally that happens. There's a crossover between what is hugely mainstream popular and music that I like. So when when I heard I Can't Feel My Face, I thought, man, who who produced this? And I looked it up. It's Max Martin. You know who that guy is? Uh, yeah. Brittany. Oh, my Lord. He's the, He's the kind guy. Of the, the biggest deal there is part of a decades-long Swedish mastermind influence on the pop charts that dates all the way back to waterloo and i'm talking about the song not the battle and um yeah yeah anyway he he kind of max martin's interesting he started in this kind of hair metal kind of almost uh sort of somewhere between poison and faith no more band called it's alive in in his uh home country of sweden and then from How do you there, get in between Poison and Faith No More? Where is that space? Extreme How do you is that space. Nothing but a good time to like. That's a wide arc of bands in between those two. Yeah, I guess it reminds me of both of those things, like Poison with right. a bit of slap bass, I guess. But um, okay. from there, <laughs> nothing but a good time with a, with slap bass. Okay, got it. From there, he went to co-producing Ace of Bass's second album, and he never really left the charts from there. I guess. Um, yep. Uh, Britney Spears' Baby One More Time is probably one of his kind of his his huge breakout production and he did a lot of Backstreet Boys and uh, uh, Five and bands like that around then. 
He brought he. I think I mean the thing that Max Martin did was more or less bring like like legit legitimately good song writing, like in so much as chord like chord like chord structures. It was like verse verse pre chorus bridge chorus mm. to a pop a pop space. That, I mean, that's that, right. That's my take. And he absolutely churned the hits out. Like every time I read his Wikipedia page, I find more stuff that I didn't realize he worked on. He's he's the reason why Larger Than Life by Backstreet Boys sounds a bit like It's My Life by Bon Jovi. They were around the same time. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, I'm confused though. I'm confused. You've just said that you don't trust Wikipedia and now that you're referring to his Wikipedia page. Oh my God. Yeah, who knows? Like... Maybe yeah, one of you knows? guys edited the Max Martin entry to get me to say stuff that wasn't true. Who knows, man? <laughs> That's a deep plant. We know he'll go to Max Martin's Wikipedia page. We know he'll deep yeah. die. Let's just edit it up. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, continue. Anyway, so uh, I guess when, when I saw that Max Martin had worked on I Can't Feel My Face, which is I, I think is you know the weekend's kind of you know, work that I like the most so far. I saw he was doing five tracks on the new album and I thought, oh, I've got to check this out. You know, if there's more of that, hell yeah. But um, five out of, you know, 13 or whatever it is, it's uh, not many you of gonna them. Tell me he, you're going to tell me he did track 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, aren't you? He did 9, 10, 11, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and so, so that, that's really the highlight of the album for me. Like once we get into Blinding Lights, which as we said, sounds like Take On Me. And then the one after that, In Your Eyes, which sounds like The Weeknd. I didn't even mind when the sax yeah. solo came in. It's um, No, I, I liked it too. And then the one after that, uh, Save Your Tears. I, I haven't figured out what that reminds me of. Like that constant guitar strumming is a bit ELO, a bit Xanadu almost, and kind of reminds me of the Never Ending Story. But um, and that, that song does uh, that Bon Jovi thing as well where you think it's the chorus, but then the chorus comes in and you go, holy shit, no, this is the chorus. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I guess comparing how much I love those three tracks and I just have to keep listening to them over and over, compared to the rest of the album kind of underlines what a change of producer does, you know? Yeah. Like I really think The Weeknd is at his best when he's working with Max Martin and this guy Oscar Holter, who I'm not familiar with. And he, you know, just it's amazingly well done, great pop songs that, you know, you just want to keep listening to. Well, I do anyway. And... Compared to the rest of the album, which is kind of like a sort of a trap remix of the Stranger Things soundtrack, and he's in this, the vocals are different as well. He kind of hangs around in this sort of annoying falsetto range, which is like someone tickling your ear kind of, which I'm just not into compared to, I guess, the vocals performance that Max Martin got out of him, which maybe Max was just saying, go, come on, man, sing. What are you doing? Like who knows? But um, well, he, yeah, the, he's the singing songs like were funky as well, though. Sorry, the Max Martin songs were funky. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, the the vocals are just so much better to me. Like he's singing like a kid who wanted to grow up and be Michael Jackson, you know. And it's that really comes across. I think like it, I think his heroes well, found, are like MJ the and Prince. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mm. uh, yeah, the difference between the songs I loved and the songs I didn't was uh yeah similarly huge i think but um i don't know it just sounds like uh 
like some of the lyrics I, I can't remember which song it was uh there's one snow child where he starts off talking about growing up in the mean streets of toronto and then two verses later he's into things that no one can relate to like 20 million mansion never lived in it like you know yeah. <laughs> who, who hears that song and can relate to it but um like a lot of the a lot of the songs are about it's kind of a breakup album is what i read somewhere as well and um i don't know i i won't try to put this any better than elton john did in uh october's time magazine but elton john <laughs> elton john's had this to say about the weekend he plays with persona in his music and presentation. On the After Hours cover, he's dripping in blood. You're never sure if he's singing about himself or if he's in character. He's got an incredible imagination. So, uh, mm, mm. you know, maybe the uh, dance floor kind of Michael Jackson, Max Martin, like chart bait is uh, kind of him putting on a, you know, superstar persona and maybe the kind of introspective like uh, trap sort of breakup album is is how, how he really is at the moment who knows that's actually a really good point because you know maybe he deliberately put you know how it is um sequenced on the album like he's pushed them way down the album the big hits are like 9 10 11 yeah and like if you if you're writing doing an album as an AR guy you don't put your big hits at 9 10 11 so that i reckon you might be onto something there like you know i want to be this guy but i'll put my uh my mega selling my hits so i can you know get the money but that's not who i am so that's that's an interesting point yeah there are a few other uh tracks that max martin worked on earlier on there was one called hardest to love and the one after that was called scared to live and they they, they didn't really hit the mark for me they um i don't know they 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 were really similar like they both had kind of a descending uh um wider shade of pale chord progression and just this overly kind of melodic, almost J-pop level of catchy vocal hooks over it. And it didn't really do it for me, but those those three towards the end, so killer. That was what I was hoping would be on this album. And uh, Me too. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I'd kind of like to hear a whole album of that, but the world would just explode if, if something that good existed. I don't know. That's a pretty good review, I think. It'd be like Bono. I remember Bono said, you know, uh, Coldplay could, should be the next U2. Like if they, they could they could write the Stadium Rock album like in their sleep if they wanted to and they just, they're too scared to do it for whatever reason. I reckon, you know, that maybe it's the same with this guy. It's like, you could do this if you wanted to. You know, he could do what Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars does it, I reckon. You know, he, he plays to that sort of, I'll write the big pop hits that, um, that people are going to love. Like, I'm not scared to do that. And there's something... Yeah, he's holding back. He could do a whole album like that yeah. so easily. It would funny. be amazing. He, he, it's not like he tries to write heaps of songs like that. He, only a few of them are like that, and they completely work. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, mm. so I, I, I haven't listened to his other albums. Maybe they're like this as well. Maybe the rest, maybe the album tracks are nothing like the singles. But uh, yeah. We'll I mean, out. we got deep last time you were on about, you know, the 80s being four decades long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of Daft Punk about it as well. I mean, you know, that Pharrell, yep. Daft Punk, Get Lucky um, stuff. Like, it, it all feels like, you know, that sort of... That's what people want to hear. That's what they want to dance to, I think. I think. Well, they do. I, I noticed that... Um, I remember it was kind of a big deal when 
Starboy he, from his, I think, two albums ago was the first track on Spotify to get to a billion streams. And wow. I noticed that Blinding Lights has broken that record already yeah. and it only came out this year. That's at like 1.6 yeah. billion. Mm. So think about how many people are listening to that song on repeat for that to happen. I'm one of the How much money did you get? What's what's a billion worth on Spotify these days? It's like two hundred thousand dollars, I think. Maybe that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Enough to be able to sing about the twenty million mansion that you've never lived in. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Arik, take it, man. So, um, I thought. I mean, I want to just speak to both of your reviews. Uh, and uh, to start with, was a uh, you do have a um a longer history with the weekend um i want to take you i <laughs> want to take songs? you back to i want to take you back to 2011 and we did a we did a gig in the prince of wales public bar uh, with you on bass me on guitar and vocals and uh, a guy called named lazar laz agneskis on the drums and we did a I weekend remember I played cover really well at that gig yeah you did, you did, and we played a we played a song called "The Morning," and Don't um, that. and and I want and I wanted to bring that one up because for me, like that that mixtape "House of Balloons" was how I got into the weekend, and um, it's this really you know, and Ryan, you mentioned this sort of descending. It's almost like a Chris Isaac kind of chord progression. What's that song called? The big one. Um, wicked game, wicked game. Yeah, it's that it's that wicked game sort of chord progression that the weekend just do like over and over and over again um and after the the big hit i can't feel my face and i'm with you that song um it was actually for me a really welcome return to that sort of early mixtape thing that the weekend were doing which was this kind of darker descending chord progression type music um overall as an album um it's like and it's almost the curse of a vocalist who has such a distinct sound that it's hard to pinpoint the kind of standout moments in the record because I, I mean I listened to this more like I, I didn't give it like the deep like a deep sort of listen. You went to deep really... on this album. Come on, Eric, tell us the truth. You went really deep. No, 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 no. I mean, it was like 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 it started, and I was like, it's the guy with a beautiful voice and and the songs with a kind of mid tempo vibe. And um, and that's kind of where it ended for me. It was like, it just all felt like the weekend, and and I thought to myself, because he's got such a distinct sound on his voice, it's hard to kind of move in a sort of creative way outside of those constructs. Um, like that that I can't feel my face song is actually very much outside of the weekend that I know. It's right, a very, very okay. different. It's a very different sound. For me, the weekend is this sort of down tempo, kind of sad boy, sort of um, yeah. It's like a, it's this sad boy sort of introspection. Um, and that, that's what a lot of this this album was like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, this sort of brought me back to the weekend that I was into before the com- the the sadness around the twenty million dollar mansions. So, so I think I think to that. Like for for that as a lyric to sort of show up in a record that's meant to kind of take it back to the roots is kind of pretty disappointing. Like, 
<laughs> um, so <laughs> like I listened to this and I was like, this is kind of cool, but it's like it's no, it's not House of Balloons, and uh, and and as such, that that was my my take on the on this record. Wow, that was a deep analysis. Um, well, no, I mean, like, I, I love, I, I, I love, I love the shit that they've done in the past, and this felt like a throwback to what they've done in the past. But now that they're amazingly successful, to kind of go back to that space doesn't seem as authentic as it was when they actually did it. Hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just take this to the committee and get into it. Ryan, you wanna you wanna kick it off? Yeah, no, that, that's interesting to hear that, that I guess the, the rest of this album that I wasn't that into is more what the music is usually like as opposed to the massive chart-topping hits. But, uh, mm. yeah, no, it's, I mean, as, as I was saying before on one of, the al- one of the other albums, I'm trying to figure out the difference between do I like it and is it good, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's uh, reflective of a lot of music today from modern artists. I think it's uh, it's about the the single tracks as opposed to the albums. Mm. Um, and he does have a number of songs that hit, and a lot of songs that don't. This is this is definitely an album, though. Like, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff there, and I feel like there's kind of little groups of tracks that are kind of similar. That like those those three, like track nine, ten, and eleven, are kind of a little kind of trilogy and there was another trilogy earlier like like kind of felt like they were about him having a huge weekend in vegas and like mm. you know i don't know he probably flies there in a chopper or something and yeah who knows but, the um, I mean, was, is there any point is there any point in releasing al- an album like for this guy like why, wouldn't you just release the three bangers a bunch of singles I, I i totally agree with you was i think that's, that's a good very, question very good yeah. Point. yeah what's what's the point like are people going to go out and buy the album is he making his money off the album or is he making it from yeah the off like vinyl, yeah. vinyl sales yeah or is he or is he making money off one song getting played 1.6 billion times in six months yeah 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 well yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. very much actually a, on spotify it's a, but it's if, a good if he gets that yeah if he gets that synced to a couple of ads, there, there you go. He's made his money. Yeah, um, but then they'd be on ads. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> oh God, no. Um, just throwing it out there as a, you know. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> I'm just gonna um, let that go through to the keeper. Uh, so where are we up to? Oh yeah. Um, how many? How many journals? Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm gonna give this uh, seven. I. I, I think. Eight, eight actually because the the songs I liked I just had to listen to on repeat but yeah I think I think I'm going with eight. Ooh. I don't know how. I, All right, I, I might go I, next. My mind can't I might deal go next. That. I can't. My mind can't deal. <laughs> He's given I'll that more next. than the common uh, album. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, it's weird. I can't, I, I can't deal. <laughs> you know, I I think that's on the how much did I want to listen to it again scale and three tracks on this i pretty much listened to constantly for a whole day yeah. and comment i didn't really go back to it so i get that it isn't it yeah, isn't it's I not an t- album is it it's it's i've listened to three songs on this album it's not a song review podcast is it 
Mm. All songs are good podcast. <laughs> That's not true. We might have to do. Um, we might have to include. What was that meatball song from the eighties? Um, meatball. Ah, uh, no. Shut up, shut, sh- 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 shut up your face. Shut up your face. That would be one of the great <laughs> songs. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, meatballs. <laughs> meatballs and shut up your face. Yeah, that's very weird. I, I digress. I digress. <laughs> Sorry, too much gin. Um, I might I've got go a great next. shut up your face story too. Go, Eric. Well, I also do. My mum used to hang out with that guy. Uh, oh, they wow. were good friends. Joe Dolce. Joe Dolce. Uh, mm. Yeah, they were good friends. He used to come over to the place when I was a kid. Um, anyways. Ah, shut up your face. Ah, uh, uh, shut up your face. Um, for me, uh, I just could, like, like, the second the record started, I was like, oh, awesome. House of Balloons old 2011 weekend so good to see them home nowhere near as good as house of balloons so that was my point of reference and that's probably what's going to inform my my um my review i give this four journals out of a potential 10 journals in the wheel cavity of the donut tire was it say four was that four four right okay um look I've got a reputation to uphold as the uh, custodian of this podcast. Now, I can't just go out giving, you know, high marks because three songs were really, really good on the album. I think that would just sort of, you know, yeah, debunk I, the, the integrity I, of this podcast, right? I'm free to do that, though, it seems. You are free to do that. Um, I can't buy it. I can't buy it. Um, look, they, they, it does mean something, and they were great, but I actually don't know if they were that great, those songs. Like, they were... They were really good. Were they great? I don't think they were great. Um, I have actually considered that maybe they were just effective at manipulating me into listening to them again. You know? <laughs> yeah, like like if you say, if you put like um, just say you put a um a Big Mac meal in, in on a, on a platter, right? And then you put Brussels sprouts around it, right? And you just go, oh. That's Give me that Big Mac. Like, it would taste awesome after you had to eat all the Brussels sprouts to get to it. That's what I felt like this was. Um, And I think it was a bit misleading. And I actually, I really thought about this. Like, are these three songs, they sound great because they were around all this crap. Not crap, but crap to me. All music is good. Uh, And I actually don't think they were that amazing. Like, they were good, but they weren't great. So I'm just going to put that out there. Like that that track, what was the track after the Aha, uh, Take On Me song called? Whatever it was called, it um, it had the I Can't Feel My Face groove, but it wasn't as good as I Can't Feel My Face. Uh, it was so like, it just sounded like your eyes or something. In your eyes. Yeah. yeah. But it, like it, 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 did it feel like I Can't Feel My Face to you? Like did you get that That's sort of vibe yeah. when you listened to it? But it wasn't as good. Like it was a... It was a lesser version of it. So no way I can give it a seven or eight. No way. Um, I'm going to go with uh, five uh, just-filled journals uh, that are going to sit in the trunk in the in the vacuum of space between the donut and the, the floor of the boot. So we've got a... What have we got? We've got a four or five and a seven or oh. eight. Did you give it an eight? You gave it an eight, didn't you? Four, yeah. five, and an eight. That's the uh, that's the mailing. That that's the, that's I, the I, I stand by that. 
that's how much I wanted to keep listening to those three tracks. Hey, also that one in your eyes. Did you notice the extremely obvious uh, New Order Blue Monday kick drum pattern come in just before the second yes, chorus? I yeah, did. Man. Hey, and was hey, that sex solo? <laughs> was that sex solo also cut and paste? Yeah, it repeated. I, I didn't go back and listen to it, um, but it sounded like a cut and paste. Sure, um, but I didn't even. By that time, I was so. That, you were dancing you know, in your mind. I mean, I'm in a, like a Swedish. I didn't even mind when the saxophone came in, but it wasn't. It wasn't horrible though. Like that. That that saxophone being a lot worse. And you know what? It is because there is a remix of this song with Kenny G playing that instead. Which uh, there wow. is not. There is. Are you serious? I haven't guts to listen to it yet. Hey, um. Graham Poxon was playing me some Kenny G um, <laughs> recently, I love and some some very early Kenny G, and he was funky. Like it was, it's amazing. Like I was, just, he's going listen to this, and I was listening to it, like who's this? Gets Kenny G. I'm like, no way. So look, before we just, we're not going to be those people who just like bag out Kenny G because there yeah, is you know some what? Kenny G stuff out there, which is pretty good. You're right. I've never listened to him. Why Why am I hanging shit on Kenny G when I've never listened to him? <laughs> Don't be that person, man. You're better sense. than that. Yeah. yeah. It's the zeitgeist thing to just hang it on Kenny G. And we're better than that on the All Music Is Good podcast. Yeah. Because all music and musicians are good. And on that note, we might wrap this one in a beautiful bow and say all music is good. Kenny G records, if you haven't listened to them, you should. Um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, hold a bit of space with both of you today. Ryan Munro, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, incredibly unstable afternoon on this planet that we live in. Um, Ryan, before we shoot off, I, I, I remember the last time you said you've got a show coming up. I think it was January. So no, it, was, uh, it was actually meant to be... Uh, today and uh, it got postponed oh. to Feb, so our next gig is in Feb. In, okay, uh, but I just have uh, one more thing I have to add before the end of this episode. I have to confess, guys, I might have made some changes to Gordy's Wikipedia entry before the show. <laughs> oh, no way! Oh, I love that. Uh, Do we have to get you uh, back on you. to tell us? What they were. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I actually made a few more edits today, but then, Arik, as soon as you started reading it out, I realized that you hadn't refreshed the page today. So all those were gone. Oh, my God. But... Oh, no. I'm going back now. I'm going back now. That is that is like real-time digital tech. So was that – did you add the Folktronica? No, that, that wasn't <laughs> – no, I wish no Folktronica was someone else, but... Uh... All right. I hope you, that you made a reference to the fact that Gordy received X score on the All Music Is Good podcast in November 2020. I'll have to add that now. But yeah, uh, basically, uh, I, I think during the, the taping of the last episode, I just had a hunch that you guys were reading the bio straight from Wikipedia and I thought, I'm going to find out. Do that. We would never do that. <laughs> no way. Um, well, thank you, Ryan, for throwing a a, uh, a bit of um, what would you call it? Some, I guess you'd call it some contro controversy, electoral controversy, 
into it's gonna uh, be into... it's going to be fun listening back to this and hearing how many times I tried to tell you guys <laughs> what I've done. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait to I can't wait to hear it. If if for anyone that does manage to uh, to identify that, please message us on uh, the All Music Is Good podcast Instagram page, and potentially you might be in the mix for a donut tire if you're lucky. Waza, thank you so much for once again being our spiritual leader. This has been the All Music Is Good podcast. We wish you all safe health. And, uh, and, uh, and relax as we enter these very uncertain times. We'll see you again very soon.